You're listening to the Electronic Media Collective Podcast Network. Yeah, it's a mouthful. For more great shows like the one you're about to enjoy, visit electronicmediacollective.com. And now, our feature presentation. Welcome to the Grolix Podcast. I am Jesse Kiefer, and in the future, Episode 8 of Star Wars will be a cast consisting entirely of Ewoks. I'm Randall Sylvie, and in the future, all Mad Max reboots and sequels will be one continuous car chase. Yes. I heard the new one. I heard the new one has a forty-five minute long car chase. Holy cow! It's so ridiculous. It that alone kind of makes me want to see it. <laughs> it's just like the thing of just insane excess. Right. Right. Yeah. That's got to be half the movie or that, better. You would think. Yeah. <laughs> I, I I thought that the uh, the car scene in the Matrix was excess. Uh, mm-hmm. The second Matrix, where it's just like nonstop ridiculous. I mean, it's the Matrix, so you know things are going to be ridiculous. But yeah, I think yeah. that I think that's like fifteen minutes long or something. Fifteen, sixteen. Yeah, minutes. it's super long, and 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 they're just looking for a phone. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like that's the payoff of this fifteen minute car chase. Is is Hey, we found a phone. Oh man, um, yeah, forty-five minutes. I can't imagine. Like, there's, it's, it's got to be exhausting, just watching it, you know. But that, yeah. the, I, I was conflicted about how I felt about another Mad Max movie, but that fact alone has got me interested. <laughs> and they claim they they opted they opted more often than not to go for practical stunts. I'm sure there's some digital stuff, but um, you know that's always exciting to in a world of all cgi everything well an odd connection star wars Mm -hmm. has also said that they will use more practical effects yeah that's really interesting too which i'm glad i'm glad it's kind of like music you know like music is kind of coming uh uh, full circle and incorporating more like actual instruments too Mm mm-hmm you know, like you're seeing a real resurgence of like folk music, which is kind of strange. Like uh, Mumford and Sons, they're really, you know, like they really started hitting it big. And they're good. Yeah, they're, totally. They're really like, yeah, they've got an interesting sound because it does have that folk thing, but it's it's just really good. It's not like um, sl- sleepy music, you know? <laughs> right. It's not like James Taylor. No offense to James Taylor fans. Yeah, yeah. Speaking of Star Wars, to continue our side just for a moment. So, you know, obviously they've cast, like, the original main characters, the original actors from the main characters. Um, And I was kind of, that was another thing I was a little conflicted about, because I I haven't seen Carrie Fisher lately, but I've seen Mark Hamill. Right. (laughs) And that dude looks rough. Right, right. But they posted a... They posted that yes. picture of him with the beard. 
I was gonna just ask. I was like, "Have you seen the beard pick?" Though? That's what I was gonna say. The beard, <laughs> the beard makes all the difference. It, he looks, he looks really good with it. it. He's like severe. He's like Liam Neeson's severe. Yeah, it went from kind of um, and no offense to him, he's he's getting up there. Like he's got a kind of a haggard face. Uh, but the beard, hey, yeah, yeah, it does. It makes him look mean. And apparently, he's contract- contractually obligated to keep that beard while they film the movies. So they know. Awesome. They know. Uh, he, that beard has got its own uh, Facebook page. Are you Are you serious? I'm, I'm serious. I didn't even know this was a thing. And then I saw that picture, and I read that it had its own. That it has. I shouldn't say had. Um, it's got its own Facebook page. That's so pretty that's funny. How epic that beard is. Oh man, that's like that's like Chuck Norris beard kind of level. It really is. It looks good. It looks good on him. He it should, do, it he, does. He should have been rocking that thing for a long time. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, that was it. I mean, and Harrison Ford, you know, we've all seen him. He's, he looks older, but he's still Harrison Ford. Yeah, right. Um, but yeah, that was, that was, I was really impressed the difference that beard made. And it, it kind of got me on board. I was like, oh, all right. Yeah, this, this can work. And, like, are the eyebrows on par with the beard? It feels like he's got, like... It's like the beard made the eyebrows bigger. (laughs) (laughs) I don't think I ever noticed his eyebrows before, and now it's like, hello, eyebrows. Like, Peter Capaldi attack eyebrows. You're right. I don't know. Because you would think they would stand out more without the beard, but maybe not. Maybe the beard just brings attention to it. Draws attention away from other parts of his, his, his face or something. I don't know. But I like Mark Hamill. He's, he's, I, do too. I do, too. Have you seen, um, I think it's Comic Book, the movie? I watched, oh, man, yeah, I forgot to finish it. I watched about half or better of it one late one night forever ago, and I forgot to finish it. But I've seen parts of it. Yeah, it's it's kind of fun in the mockumentary kind of mm-hmm genre you know it's kind of a strange genre anyways but yeah no i i really enjoyed that one because it you know it it uh echoes a lot of my feelings about gritty reboots Uh uh-huh which you know how i feel about reboots so yeah um (laughs) he was also in this movie called sushi girl not long ago and i kind of enjoyed the movie it wasn't the greatest it's rated r so you know it's 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 for adults there's some violence and stuff, but um, I thought he was pretty good. He essentially, it felt like he essentially played a slightly effeminate Joker, like a version of his Joker is the way a lot of times like his voice come across. But that was the like most recent thing I seen him just acting in as Mark Hamill. You know, he's just, you know, just being an actor. Um, sure. But that's, that's not a bad watch if you're curious as to, you know, what he's been doing in live action lately of course you know star wars will hit and he'll be you'll see him all over the place again it's funny because i was just thinking what does the joker voice sound like when filtered through that beard (laughs) (laughs) oh man (laughs) like does it change is it more wicked Uh, to follow, to follow, to continue following this weird aside, but also more <laughs> more tied into what we you know to comic books. Me, Melanie and I watched um, the latest DC animated uh, feature. It's a 
Batman Assault on Arkham, I think. Okay. And what made me think of that specifically is we were talking about Mark Hamill. Now, the Joker is in that movie, but it's not Mark Hamill. And I can't recall who's doing the voice, but whoever it is does a pretty good Mark Hamill Joker. And that's huh. that's what, like, because, you know, oftentimes, like, they'll cast other people and you can tell, you know, they're not nece- they're just doing their own Joker. But whoever this guy was, was definitely doing the Mark Hamill Joker. And I at least appreciated that. On the other hand, nice. on the other hand, the movie was kind of junk. <laughs> oh, <laughs> well, it's, it's like, uh, you know, like some people can do a really awesome uh like voice impersonation and some people can't. Um, the best example I've got of that is uh, the back to the future game. Uh, Telltale games put out back to the future as like a five part point and click adventure kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And uh, the voice actor that they got was so spot on that uh, later on they, they included uh, Michael J. Fox as the actual uh, as a as a character in the game, so you had someone else playing Michael J. Fox's character, and then you had Michael J. Fox playing like uh, an ancestor. Oh, Marty that's McFly. that's interesting. It was, it was pretty wild. So, yeah, I had heard something about that. Yeah, yeah, I, I've heard I've heard about that. Um, the guy it's they a, got just does a spot on. Oh, it's it's wicked. Yeah, I mean it's like perfect uh, 1985 Michael J. Fox kind of thing. And did they get? Christopher Lloyd back for that? Yeah, yeah, okay. they have That's what I thought. Uh, the actual. I believe they have the actual voices for both, uh, for both Doc and and maybe Biff. I'm. I, I, oh, nice. I shouldn't, I shouldn't say for for fact, but uh, Christopher Lloyd is is definitely the voice actor for Doc. Nice. I wish I wish he would pop up in more things. I I, I do too because I always like him. Me too. Like no matter what, and he always plays like a character role like something small but it's always perfect the most the most recent thing i saw him in was the first piranha 3d that came out a few years ago oh hey and and a lot of people actually seem to enjoy that movie it wasn't it wasn't total garbage i mean it was supposed to be like a bad horror movie but i wasn't right. as, like there was kind of like an weird hype built up around it that i wasn't totally into but I enjoyed seeing him. I wish he'd have been in it more. But yeah, I, I wish he. Well, that was that but, was right around the time that like 3D kind of came back. Yeah. Where you had My Bloody Valentine in 3D, and then uh, I think Piranha was like that next thing. Hmm. Well, and wasn't it like James Cameron was all upset when they started doing the 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 gimmicky horror 3D movies because he's like, oh, it's 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 you're just turning it into a gimmick, and it's like, well, that's what 3D always was. In fact, right. I, wasn't didn't James Cameron direct like the original Piranha, like back in the eighties? Ah, uh, that that I don't know. Okay, that will yeah. <laughs> suddenly it, you know it wouldn't surprise me. But it seems like he had some tie to that that even made it more hypocritical for him to like uh, bash on it. But <laughs> suddenly I'm I'm very I'm very worried that I'm incorrect. But, oh well, we don't have enough listeners to give us enough. Give us a. <laughs> I'm, a I'm assuming you know better on this one than I do. Uh, I, I, I haven't. I haven't seen either Piranha. I'm aware of both, but I haven't seen either one of them. Yeah, there. Yeah, that's all right. You're not missing too much. <laughs> well, I, you know, I, 
I have an idea of what I would see, but I think until I think until we get a larger listenership, it's okay if we're wrong. <laughs> Nobody's going to correct us yet. <laughs> I, I, I feel like after the Ozfest uh, special, we should do like a review of Deep Blue Sea or whatever. <laughs> yeah. Oh man. <laughs> we should do like a, at least a tweet along. Dude, that oh holy crap! We should almost do a commentary. <laughs> that would it wouldn't be yes. that wouldn't be hard to do. Like I could bring my gear over and we could watch it and do a commentary. <laughs> I don't know who would want to listen to it, but yeah, that. But I don't think I'd want. I don't think I'd want to pay for it either. Like if it's on Netflix, sure. <laughs> it's probably it's probably on crack. I, well, I suppose a rental would be like a buck. Yeah. So. <laughs> <laughs> oh man um it's got samuel L. jackson of course everything does well there's there's that there is that do that 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 portion uh, like i think that that ozfest um episode was was turned out pretty well overall but that portion is just gold that whole bit <laughs> with axton oh man yeah. i don't know I, oh no i do i do know how we got there because <laughs> i just listened to it but I was like, how did we get there? Well, I know. (laughs) Sharknado. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Yeah, listener, if you don't know what we're talking about, we released a special bonus episode one week ago from the day this is dropping. Um, For us, in timey-wimey land, it was yesterday. Um, (laughs) Yes. But, uh, yeah, like, I actually probably could have released that episode earlier, but I was really concerned that the stuff with, with me and Melanie was um, really sloppy and pulled the episode down. So I, I trimmed it and I trimmed it and I had intended to record like record some new bits, just kind of setting up the interviews so we could hurry up and get to that. And then I was like, well, let me listen to it one more time. And I listened to it and I was like, oh, this actually kind of works. So I just went with it. But, um, but no, yeah. No, I, I felt like it pulled things together pretty nicely and it stayed within like the time. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. um, Oh, speaking of time, I suppose we should get to what we're going to get to. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, probably. One thing we can talk about, uh, since Melanie's not here yet, she, she won't really have much input on this is my web comic recommendation. This, yes. This is essentially something that kind of got cut out of the special episode just because um, the audio I had recorded didn't translate well to audio. Um, but there was this guy at the convention, um, and he was in both the web comics panels that I'd went to, including uh, that last like interview that you hear on that episode is actually a webcomic panel, which was really interesting because um, Guy Anthony DeMarco was there. He was the panelist. He was also there with his wife, um, Tanya. And then for the audience, it was me and this, this, this guy, this webcomic creator. So we essentially like found this little tiny table and just sat around the table. And I was like, Hey, can I record this? And that was like, it was very conversational, but I wanted to go ahead and mention um, Doug Halverson. Doug Halverson, thank you. You're, you're, I think you're better with the pronunciations than I am. Um, I'm guessing on that, but I, I think that sounds right in my head. Yeah, and he he was doing this web comic um, called Sci-Fi Guy. Uh, you can check it out at webcomicsnation.com/slash/dholvrsn kind of like his name abbreviated a little bit 
And this is a really interesting webcomic. Um, I believe he kind of stopped doing it for a bit. It kind of feels like he's looking for an excuse to pick it back up, so it would be cool if this could find its intended audience. Jesse, you said he kind of gave you um, a rundown of the premise. So you might... Like, I've seen a lot of the artwork, but I didn't get a good feel for what the actual premise was. Do you do you think you know enough about it to give a very short synopsis? Um, you know, I'm. it's funny because I was... When you said Webcomic Nation, I I used to host my webcomic on Webcomic Nation, and I was curious if it, if it was still up, and uh, it is, so that's that's mm-hmm. excellent. Um, the uh, you know like the the rundown is that it's kind of like your your seventies style comic, uh, but then we're pulling in all these futuristic elements. Um, like if you if you go into uh, the website, you're going to notice that it's kind of done in that Didamax kind of uh, format, where where it's you know like we're used to seeing things Xeroxed. Um, so the hues that you're going to see on those first pages are going to be um, with that blue, mm-hmm. that blue line work that that uh, some of us would have grown up with or or would remember, you know, if you went to school in the late 70s, early 80s, that the, the, the Ditto Max was kind of still being used a lot. Um, you know, like like looking at the style, it reminds me of kind of an Archie comics kind of feel, uh, but really hitting that, that 70s, you know, not that 70s, um, that feel, and then also like the thing that I really appreciate about this comic is that it, it, it nails into not only the 70s feel, but the 70s feel of what the future is like. Oh, yeah, yeah, for like sure. The 70s feel of sci-fi, which is very cool. Mm-hmm. Very cool. Yeah, I have that kind of fascination with, like, what the future, how the future was de- de- uh, depicted der- from past decades and oh, yeah. the, the 70s is one of my fa- my favorite versions of the future. Um, yeah, one thing with this strip is the artwork is excellent. Like he he nails he nails the look of that time period perfectly. The way the characters are drawn, and then also like um, the amount of detail per per page is pretty. Im- incredible because there's there's just a ton of references but like the backgrounds are just full of all kinds of things that are uh frankly kind of like before my time but from what right. i from what i understand like if you would fall into that niche where you're you're slightly older than myself um and you're keyed into you know not only just kind of general pop culture during the late 70s into the 80s um but particularly computer culture if that's a thing i don't know if that's something people say oh yeah especially back then you know like when uh the internet first hit and we're basically talking about bolton board systems you saw a lot of like uh what's it called ansi Mm -hmm. style graphicking where you were basically making graphics out of letters Mm -hmm. or or symbols that you had on your keyboard that you could create and so uh if like if you go all the way back to the very beginning uh of this strip uh you'll actually get a title page that is basically set up in didamax uh ansi style yeah 
Um, like this guy, I mean, he was obviously into that kind of stuff and he nails it. And there's so many references almost per page of the strip, um, to that. Uh, it was kind of interesting during, interesting during that panel when him and him and, um, guy, Anthony DeMarco were talking, uh, guy is, was apparently a computer guy as well back then. And, um, they kind of got into, like, they ended up in this back and forth about, um, just technology at the time. And they started talking and it was just all over my head. They were talking about, uh, computers, uh, like computer systems I'd never heard of. Um, you know, before, before personal computer stuff, they were talking about early, early networking. And uh, I was like blown away because I didn't know what it was. It was, you know, I'm somewhat computer savvy nowadays, but, Everything they were saying was 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 Greek to me, I, I or geek to me, I guess. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, if 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 that is your kind of time frame of you know you grew up during that period, there's going to be a ton in this in this uh, sci-fi guy. Uh, and the title at the top of the page is Tube Punk, but the actual strip I believe is called Sci-Fi Guy. Uh, Tube Punk might actually be uh, his uh, creator. Oh uh, yeah, that could be. If he has more than one comic, yeah, actually, I think because he did some some work on some indie comics uh, back in that time period, and I think he's got some reprints uh, posted on on like his creator. You can get to on that website um, if you click his name. There's some reprints of of some of his work from the seventies, but this strip itself is only from a few years ago. He worked on he, I believe. Um, uh, 2009 or 10 to 2011 or something. And it's part of an overarching plot. So hopefully this can find the audience. And if it does, uh, you need to barrage him. So he, he, he has a reason to pick it up again because it is part of this long plot. And he talked a bit about, about like the end game. Like there's definitely a point which it would be completed. So I'm looking at looking at the website right below that tube punk uh, icon. You've got a number of different links, and then a pull down menu where you can select a comic. And you all, he also has a, a comic called Interstellar Overdrive, which is very uh, into that kind of style as well. So mm-hmm. uh, definitely check that out as well. Yep, there we go. I wanted, yeah, definitely wanted to give him a shout out because he's a fantastic artist, and the the pages look great. He just really nails that style. So there you go, sci-fi guy. Check it out, especially if you if, if that sounds like your kind of thing. I mean, it's 70s sci-fi, which is, it doesn't get much cooler than that. True, true, true. Uh, Star Wars showed up in the 70s, so... There you go. No-brainer right there, I think. Connected dots. Yep, yep. That's what we do here. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, my webcomic this week is going to be uh, Vinny the Vampire, and you can find it at VinnyTheVampire.com, which is very convenient. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's done by Tim Green, and it's a it, it's a fun comic. Uh, he's he's very inspired by uh, source material like Garfield and Peanuts, and so uh, looking at Vinny the Vampire, you're going to notice that it's got that classic uh, newspaper strip style vibe to it. And uh, the the basic premise of the strip is that it you've got a suburban vampire family. 
So it's going to harken back to those kind of uh, monster family style uh, shows that you maybe remember as a kid watching Adam's Family or uh, the Monsters. But it, I mean, they're all vampires. But the thing that's uh, very interesting about it is that you know you take these monsters and then put them in a situation where you can relate. You know where you've got the uh, the little sister that's really you know like going to make your life miserable and you know you've got to deal with your family dynamic and uh you know like your sole kind of driving force is uh that girl that you've been crushing on for so long and uh one of the things that I really want to make sure that uh I pointed out about Vane the Vampire is that right now he is releasing a collected volume of his work that you can get at Create Space. Uh, you can find the link for all of that at his website. Again, VinnyTheVampire.com. And uh, the style you're going to notice is very uh, – it's simplified cartooning in the sense that it's like Calvin and Hobbes. So absolutely not uh, – any kind of an insult when I, when I say simplified because I have a great uh, respect for that kind of style. Um, definitely recommend it. Uh, he's also one of the nicest guys you're going to meet on uh, Twitter and uh, definitely recommend his work. Uh, yeah, I just actually, I just saw a post about that book uh, just today, earlier today. So yeah, very cool. It, I, I enjoy that one as well. Sorry, that's all. I, that's all I had to contribute. But I, I, did, I did want to chime in. Yeah, I, I read that one occasionally. It's good, and I, I was kind of excited when I saw that um, he's getting the first book ready. Pretty short uh, recommendation because you know it's 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 a concise kind of package where when you go, you're gonna you're gonna understand. You know, it's it's got pullbacks to Garfield. It's got pullbacks to Peanuts. And uh, if you don't like one of those two things, what are you doing listening to this podcast? Yeah, that's true. Um, yeah, <laughs> it feels classic, I think, is a good way to put it. It feels like classic cartooning. Yeah, yeah. Um, In the best possible way. Yes, you know? yes. In that it relates to, you know, pretty much everyone. Whether you're a vampire or not. Yeah, uh, it doesn't discriminate. No. No. <laughs> Um, one thing okay this is this is kind of this is another aside and it's a little in-house but uh so last last month or the the yeah last month um episode six i was putting together and there's that bit where um it was just after your uh webcomic recommendation of lunar baboon um Mm -hmm. and (laughs) melanie's like I want a sandwich. And then we just kind of went on this t- random tangent. Speaking of Garfield, we, t- we talked about that a little bit. Oh, we did. Um, <laughs> this is going to be a thing where we talk about Garfield in every episode. Now. I decided, I decided <laughs> anytime the conversation goes on a random, t- random tangent like that, um, I think the segment will be called either I want a sandwich or it's all pizza. I, <laughs> it's all pizza. I like that's it's that's all pizza. Perfect, yeah. So anytime, anytime we get off on a, on a tangent, we're just gonna be like, "Oh, it's all pizza." <laughs> yes, and that'll justify it because that's now a segment. Yep, we started with it. it's all pizza segment today. I think <laughs> a little bit, a little bit. All right. So next, we're gonna talk about Cannons in the Clouds number one. Um, this is a brand new series by um, uh, indie publisher Alterna Comics. 
Um, probably pronouncing that weird, but it's Alterna Comics. Um, That's how I'd pronounce it. So yeah, and this is this is a uh, it'll be an ongoing digital series released bi-monthly. Um, you can check it out on alternacomics.com. It's also available on Comicsology. Um, so if you go to their site and click on it, it'll redirect you to Comicsology. This is a new series. It's written by Daniel uh, Woolley and Anne uh, Gresham. The art is by uh, Jorge Donis. Uh, colors by Christian Swan. Uh, lettering by Peter Samedi. I actually have kind of a synopsis here. Should I read that? or? Yeah, yeah. Okay. That'll give us a launching point. Um, this is like this is like their synopsis. This isn't. Uh, I'm not going to. I didn't write this up, so I won't take credit for it. Selena lives in a world of floating islands and surviving fragments of once powerful lost civilization, where she dreams of escaping the rigid rules of her aristocratic upbringing. When she finds herself on the run from a bloodthirsty conspiracy, her course collides with a young steeplejack named Rob Cadman. While Rob lacks Selena's wealth or influence, he possesses an uncanny connection with diametal, the mysterious substance that powers, powers flying ships and fuels their entire civilization. As they try to unravel the true motives of their pursuers, the pair must join forces with unlikely allies, a crew of pirates, captained by notorious Jenny Avery, to keep their world from crashing down. Um, I'm sorry, I didn't read that very well. That is kind of actually a, ser- a series synopsis because some of that I didn't quite get in this first issue. Which- yeah, I was just gonna say. I think, uh, yeah, I don't. Yeah, like <laughs> so, some of those characters are are introduced to us at the end of the issue that we read, but uh, some of them are not. Yeah, so. I, yeah, I didn't like, and and the bit with the the diametal, I didn't I didn't catch that at all. But anyway. Well, and I think that's probably, yeah, that's part of the overarching story as opposed to what we read, which is kind of ba- the basic uh, world-building kind of setup. Mm-hmm. Um, I really liked at the beginning of this, I believe it's the first page, you kind of get the setup where she's like fishing and stuff. And then mm-hmm. it and then it does kind of this twisty bit where she has the fish and she goes to let it go and it's got wings and then yeah. you, and then you go to the next page and it really and then it like illustrates the the sky world that the comic takes place in. So I, I enjoyed yeah. that little twist that it was a good little pull the carpet out from under you. And the world is uh, very it's it's a very interesting setting, you know. Um, from there on, you kind of get little snippets that uh, you know. There's there's kind of a mythology that's. At, play here that we're not necessarily going to get all of in the first ish, uh, issue mm-hmm. but uh basically the the islands or the the continents the the land has pulled away from the surface of the earth kind of thing and everything exists above the surface of the earth mm-hmm. for whatever reason <laughs> for, for whatever reason um, for whatever reason yeah, I mean, they have their own mythology where it was like um, humans with their wars and stuff were too loud, and so the the gods that lived under the the surface of the earth got angry and you know launched them out. But um, kind of interesting, uh, yeah, mythology that the characters you know characters in that world. Well, it kind of seemed like they were a little bit um, conspiracists type, you know. Kind of an aristocrat, uh, like from what we're able to see, it's kind of this strange uh, blend of of caste systems where you've got this uh, aristocrat system. You're like the 
you know, the people that are kind of in charge or more well to do. And then you've got the working class and they aren't getting along real well. So she's kind of part of this aristocracy uh, at the same time that she wants to be part of that uh, more adventurous side of life. One thing I, I did enjoy about this story is that it's, it's um, y- your main character is a very strong female uh, type character, um, which is definitely a complaint that people have about comic books in general, um, especially uh, lately, it seems like. But um, so you've got a very strong uh, female protagonist. Which, funny enough, that's one of the arguments that they have had about Star Wars, the new episodes going forward, is that, uh, you know, it looked like the only female role was going to be Carrie Fisher's, that, you know, Princess Leia role. Mm -hmm. And then they slowly started to leak more of those strong characters were going to be involved in the new Star Wars movie, which, again, total tangent here, but... um, it needs, you know, it's one of those things that's that's kind of important right now is that uh, we've got all these movies and uh, media that's coming out, and uh, some of these female roles do feel like they're being slighted. And so in that regard, this comic is really doing a nice job of uh, exerting itself with those strong female characters. Yeah, for sure. Beyond beyond just um, even the main character, it feels like there's definitely um, there's there's at least one other strong female character introduced towards the end of this. Um, that it feels like that will definitely uh, play a role. Well, and even even the the role of the mother, who is often you know the the mother role is often going to be kind of this misguided or at least initially uh, feels like they're misguided that role of we're going to protect you and you need to do this. And you like, you need to be a part of the world in this certain way because I care about you and I know better than you, Mm -hmm. that kind of situation. Even the mother exerts that, that, uh, that strength of character, uh, although maybe misguided. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, she definitely seems like she's coming from the point of view of like, you know, this is this is just how how within our society we have to work regardless you know when there and there and there's consequences if you don't uh you know your your involvement in the games uh affects the society as a whole due to perception mm-hmm. uh, kind of tying back into that class situation that uh is is clearly going to be a situation you know like uh, a part of this world that's been established. Mm-hmm. I thought the artwork, there was some very interesting uh, decisions for layout design. Like there's the race. Uh, there's like uh, this kind of, you mentioned it a little bit before uh, with the games. So there's like this race game they play in which that page feels like it's um, laid out sideways, but the word dialogue, uh, the word balloons were right side up. So there's definitely some interesting and unique layout and design decisions. And and it has kind of this raw feel because everything, in order to give you that atmospheric quality, you got to kind of pull back. And any time that you pull back uh, perspective-wise, you're going to lose detail in order to create kind of this grand scope or landscape type of feel. And uh, that definitely becomes a, a case in this in this uh, world that they've created. Uh, <laughs> in particular, I can't help but think of, like, you mentioned that uh, 
that fishing scene at the very beginning. Yeah. Uh, I cannot help but think of, of horrible Super Mario Brothers uh, levels where you've got <laughs> flying fish. you got the flying fish coming at you from all sides. Like, so, so, like, where, whereas I like this this issue that we read, I also have trauma uh, <laughs> that's connected to Super Mario Brothers. Oh man, I think about it. that's funny. So now, now I dare anyone not to think of flying fish uh, <laughs> when they read that. Yes, yes. Oh man, <laughs> I think I think that people are going to enjoy this series. Uh, I'm definitely interested in where the second and you know, like future issues are going to take us. But yeah, Super Mario Brothers. <laughs> I, yeah, yeah, I'm <laughs> I'm interested in the uh, in in um, the adventure aspect of of you've got this. Uh, it feels like a, a seafaring, a swashbuckling pirate adventure potentially coming up, all set in the sky with like flying uh, flying sailing ships and stuff like that. So uh, definitely an interesting world. So yeah, steampunky without being steampunky. Yeah, good way. Yeah, exactly. That was cannons in the clouds number one. Uh, check that out. It's on um, uh, Comicsology. So there you go. And check out Alterna Comics for sure. Yeah, they have they put out some really cool looking stuff. And and I believe it's uh, this is also available through Diamond, isn't it? Oh, is it? See, I'm not sure. It might be that I'm not sure about. I I know I know. I know it came out the 13th of last month for the listeners when they hear this um, digitally, but I'm, I'm, I'm not sure about uh, uh, physicals. Well, if, if you're interested in that, then, uh, you know, the best thing to do, if you're interested in a print copy of anything that's uh, available through Diamond, is just to ask your local comic book shop. Yep. Support local. Support local. Do it. Oh, what else? Uh, let's see. We've got the two main, main things. Um Swamp Studies, if we have time for that. And then, of course, the poll list, which we actually got. We finally got to it. It was, a, it was what do you say? Uh, it was your Mount Everest. Oh, man, it was my Mount Everest. Do we want to go into that? Yeah, well, sure. Let's go ahead and go into that. Um, so, yeah, Duncan the Wonder Dog, which we initially were going to do last week, uh, last uh, month, um, but it just didn't work out. So it almost just seemed like it wasn't going to work out this month, too. Right. Um, basically, because of the formats, um, like in, a, in an effort to kind of be economic and get it for a little bit cheaper, I was looking to go ahead and get it on, uh, was it mydigitalcomics.com is one of the uh, vendors mm. that, I, in doing like a just a random Google search on it, I came up with this article that said that they were offering uh, Duncan the Wonder Dog digitally, DRM-free, um, on mydigitalcomics.com. And so I tried to go ahead and order it that way, and uh, that did not pan out well. So, <laughs> Yeah, uh, man. It, it, you know, and I, it still hasn't been resolved. Oh, crap. Uh, in that I haven't, I haven't, reser- I haven't uh, received any kind of feedback back from the parent company as well as the primary company. So if you're uh, thinking about using my 
digitalcomics.com. I would definitely see if you can shoot them an email first because I have not received any contact from them. I have, however, been charged three times for uh, Duncan the Wonder Dog, and I am uh, actively seeking to get that issue resolved. Uh, so, you know, by the by the time that was all said and done, I could have just ordered the book, um, which I'm kind of wishing I would have done because reading it, uh, you know, it's very, it's very beautifully put together, and I wouldn't mind having a physical copy of it um, uh, after after being charged three, the thirty dollars I would have paid for it anyways. Yeah, and not ever receiving a. a- cop digital copy at all yeah yeah never uh, never did receive uh download which is kind of the whole point of going through this distributor but yeah yeah so long story short things didn't work out well in terms of trying to get a, a copy to review i did eventually come across a copy so they're out there and uh if you want to read uh it, it's it's available free and online, and so you can read it. I, the reason I was going to go with the digital download was that it, it made it a little bit easier. Uh, if you have a high-resolution screen uh, and you go to the site where you can read it for free, uh, for me, it would show multiple pages at a time. It would show, like, four pages, and I'd have to zoom in on my browser in order to be able to read it. Mm-hmm. And so I was looking for a little bit easier way to read it, either on uh, my screen or on an iPad, like through a PDF reader of some sort or a CBR. And uh, so that's why I was going to go that route, was that they offered CBR as a format, uh, which, you know, there's lots of different readers for that. Yeah, that's definitely my preferred format um, when reading digital comics. Uh, Speaking of which, uh, just just kind of a pro tip before we get really rolling into the review or the recommendation, uh, a app that I've really been enjoying is called Comic Zeal. If you're an iOS user, if you're an iPad user, um, Comic Zeal does a really nice job of uh, turning both PDFs and CBRs slash CBZs. You know, like this is all kind of geeky mm-hmm. format, file format kind of stuff. But uh, if you have Comic Zeal, that's a really kind of nice app. It, it'll take all those and throw it into the reader, uh, including the PDFs, which in the past, if I've had to read a PDF, uh, I've had to go with a, kind of a generic PDF reader, mm-hmm. which isn't always the best way to read a comic. No, certainly not. Um, yeah, I sent you a message the other day asking what you used, and the reason was... Uh, on the desktop and actually on my Android too, I use Comic Rack, um, and, which I, and I really like it uh, when reading um, like CBRs and stuff like that, and CBZs. Uh, but uh, for, I don't believe it does. It has PDF uh, support. However, no, it doesn't. yeah, it doesn't. However, that's actually what I use on my PC as well is Comic Rack, and I I've I've liked it. Uh, there's just certain things that it hasn't worked on. For me. Well, I discovered um, a way around it. There is this little program. I can't remember what it's called offhand. I will link to it in the show notes. Um, but there's a, a there's this program that all you do is you download it, um, and it's it's seems pretty legit. It, I pulled it off of somewhere off of um, the Comic Rex site itself. But uh, 
you just download it and install it, and then the next time you open up um, Comic Rack, it knows that program's there. You don't even have to do anything inside of Comic Rack, and it gives uh, Comic Rack the ability to read PDFs. So that's very cool. Hmm. It's like Ghost Reader or something like that. I can't remember what it is. That might not be it. Okay, okay. But yeah, it's... Uh Sorry, go ahead. And I think I've heard I think I've heard of that, and it, it's really useful for also creating PDFs as well. Oh yeah, nice. Okay, yeah, I, w- I was really impressed. All you do is you install that program, and then the next time you start up a uh, comic rack, it you don't have to do anything. It automatically will find that program and and you know, gives comic rack the ability to open open those files. So nice, nice. Which which a lot of digital comics, uh, you know, like there's kind of. You know, a lot of a lot of them. It's a little bit easier for them to develop a PDF than it is to just go ahead and put it into CDR. Mm-hmm. One last thing on the file format, because we, God knows that's uh, such an interesting topic. But um, <laughs> did you know CBRs and CBZs are basically just zip files renamed? I I did know that, or at least I thought that's what the case was with CBZs. Yeah, CBZs are are WinZip files, and if you want to create one, all you do is put pictures in a folder. Um, of course, you got to have them named so that they order like they're in order if they're pages, and then sure. you zip that thing up and rename the uh, the uh, what's it? extension CBZ, and you're good to go. And a CBR is just a RAR file. But, I didn't know that. Same thing? Were you just naming a CBR? Yep, you just name it. Yeah, you just uh, use WinRAR or whatever and zip the fo- folder up and rename the folder, and it's boom. You got yourself a CB CBR. It's, it's freaking crazy to me. Huh. But I like that concept of um, almost, almost like retrofitting an already established technology to do something else. You know what right. I mean? Right. Yeah. 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 Kind of like uh, <laughs> I don't know. GIFs is probably a bad example, but it's like, you know, GIFs uh, getting their resurgence now. Oh yeah, yeah, for sure. We've had GIFs forever, but now you know, like animated GIFs have gotten their whole new heyday on BuzzFeed and Tumblr and everything, which is kind of the same, but not. Oh yeah, you're right. Uh, no, well, I, I'm I'm familiar with Tumblr, obviously. Buzzfeed, I've come across occasionally when somebody will post a link. But now that you mention it, it is it's usually a link that contains a whole bunch of gifts. So that makes sense. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like there was kind of a cool one going around that had all these classic comic book covers that somebody went and kind of just did a little animation to add some motion to. And there's some uh, pr- pretty cool ones. I think I think I posted it. I think I tweeted it out on the Grolics account speaking of which there's all sorts of awesome things happening on the Grolix uh facebook page and twitter page and yeah google plus google plus page do we have a tumblr too we do have a tumblr man we're everywhere we are everywhere in fact if you go to twitter.com facebook.com youtube.com or Google Plus, all you have to do is throw a Grolix podcast after that. Or on Google Plus, I think it's Plus Grolix podcast. And you will be barraged with a wealth of interesting comic book information, facts, and random fun. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and by wealth, we mean references to Deep Blue Sea. <laughs> yes, that is exactly what we mean. 
It and is, or LL Cool J. It is all LL Cool J, all super smart sharks all the time. <laughs> we, got, we got LL Cool J gifts. We got LL Cool J. <laughs> You know, you know what I want to find now. I want to find an animated GIF, uh, and and this is kind of sad. This is kind of sad. I'm going to bring it down a notch. Okay, okay. Um, okay, so toys, mm-hmm. which stars Robin Williams, mm-hmm. which we, we haven't talked about that. But, no, um, we haven't. Yeah. Uh, LL Cool J is in that, and one of my favorite scenes in that is that, like, he's like this military guy, and he does. Ridiculous camouflage, and my one of my favorite scenes is where he is a couch, and he just like comes out of the couch. Uh, it's one of my. Favorite. I think that would make a great animated GIF. I'm just saying. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. GIF people, get on that. Come on, come Hello on. Cool J as a couch. Come on, tumblers. <laughs> yeah, no, we do have a Tumblr, and actually it's uh, tumblr.grawlixpodcast.com because I'm a weirdo, and I think we might have talked about this already, but I'm not sure. But uh, instead of, as opposed to the Grawlix podcast coming before .tumblr, but <laughs> I thought I was so smart and so special that day. I was like, hey, I can do a custom domain on our Tumblr blog. What should I call it? And I'll be like, oh, it could be tumblr.grawlixpodcast.com. And then I realized all I did was switch Tumblr from after Grawlix Podcast to before, and I was a little sad. <laughs> oh, well. Yeah. Oh, well. It's a thing. What, what, whatever gets us to the things. Yeah, yep, exactly. Um, we do get some... We get some uh, there's usually people that'll... What do they call it? Reblog our our episodes and stuff because I'll post the episodes and stuff over there too. Usually not the day that they go on the we- main website, but eventually they wind up on the Tumblr and there's people that listen to it over there. So, hello Tumblr people, I appreciate that. When I uh, I tend to re-listen to the episodes we've recorded on Stitcher. Oh, do you? I do. Oh, nice. Uh, I don't know why, but it just is kind of a nice. You know, like mobile platform. Mm-hmm. Yes. Probably because I do a lot of listening on my phone lately. I don't know why. Yeah, Stitcher uh, seems like like the best option for listening to podcasts on your phone. Um, yeah. I've definitely been, anytime I'm on, using my phone for that, I'll, I'll go Stitcher. Um, so I'm glad to have our stuff up on Stitcher. Sometimes I worry maybe our stuff's a little too spread out, but I don't think that's possible. The more exposure is better. It just makes it hard to keep track of um, downloads and listens. Right. All the places that we need to be. Mm -hmm. If you're listening to this on some random place, did you also know you could listen to this on the Grolix podcast website, on iTunes, on Stitcher, on Mixcloud, on YouTube, even on Tumblr. (laughs) Actually, I think, I think that we are everywhere. Okay. So side tangent on the way to work today, I'm listening to the radio, and I hear this commercial, and the commercial says that the biggest event of the season just got bigger. Whoa. whoa. Right? And so, like, I started to think about that, and and I was like, okay, wait. So, basically, what you're saying is you're still the biggest. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So, if you're the biggest event of the season, and you're bigger, but you're... You're still the biggest. Kind of, kind of splitting hairs and very narcissistic. Uh, 
Yeah, yeah. Like, in case you didn't know, we're still the biggest. We're the biggest. <laughs> we're the best. But now we're even more best. So then I started to think, like, is there some kind of census about this? Like, <laughs> well, well, Iowa State Fair, they're definitely the biggest. They're definitely they, the biggest. They are the biggest uh, event of the season. And, uh, and then it's like, well, if the biggest event just got bigger, like, how did they do that? Like, are they like 10% bigger or did they basically offer one more thing? <laughs> one more, because technically <laughs> that is still bigger. Right, right. So, like, okay, so now we're the Iowa State Fair, and we offered deep fat fried Snicker bars. Now we offer deep fat fried Rocky Road Snicker bars. Oh, wow. The yeah. biggest event of the summer <laughs> just got bigger. And, so did, and, and by the way, folks, so did your waistline. Yeah, yeah. Just at mine, too. Do they I offer, they, 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 they do that? They, I guess they places. They, well, they deep fat fried Snickers. I don't know about the Rocky Road. That sounds. I I do love me some Rocky Road, so I don't know about that. I don't know how I feel about deep fat fried candy bars. They do deep fat fried butter. So oh, I've heard I, of, I've heard of that. <laughs> that sounds like the most unhealthy thing in the world. <laughs> and it probably is. Wow. So yeah, that was a total. That was a total tangent. Hey, it's all pizza. It's all pizza. Yep, that's how that works. I really want a sandwich. <laughs> <laughs> I guess we should get to it. Hopefully, Melanie will get here very soon because she read this thing yesterday. The whole thing. What? Yeah. Well. Okay. So. I, get, I feel like, yeah, I feel like we should wait then. That's Herculean. It is. Okay, well, how about how about this? We will launch into um, some Swamp Thing. She'll be okay if she misses some of the Swamp Thing. Okay. Um, a- and Duncan was kind of her pick, so. Oh, yeah, it was totally her pick. I, I, was, I, was, feeling, uh, I was feeling the pressure because you and I both ha- was ha- were having trouble, and I know we were concerned about getting it read in time because Duncan is... Uh, like 380 pages long. And it came to Sunday night, and she'd been hooked on this anime series, so that's pretty much like what she's been doing for the past several, several days. And it was Sunday night, and I'm like, you haven't even started this thing. Are you going to be able to read this in time? And I got... I, I, she's not here yet, so I can say it, but I was like, I got kind of mad because I was like, this is your pick. This is the one you wanted to do. <laughs> Me and Jesse are stressing out about this, and you haven't even started it. But she, she, boom, blew through it in a day. So, wow. but I can't even imagine that. <laughs> it took me days. Yeah, I, I did it three or four settings, and even that was stretching it. There was a couple. I'm like, I was into it, but there was a couple times I was like, oh, I do not. I just don't want to read this one thing all night long. <laughs> yeah, I need to. I need to take a break. Yeah. yeah. Well, and you even said, you know, like, uh, if we're not going to do this on Tuesday, uh, I'm going to take a break. <laughs> I'm going to stop reading it. <laughs> yeah. No, I totally get that. But, no, I don't want to stretch this out any longer. No. <laughs> and I'm glad. I'm glad we got it done. Okay, but we're not going to talk about that. We're going to yeah. talk about Saga of the Swamp Thing. We're going to do some swaga. Uh, saga of the Swamp Thing, book three. Written by Alan Moore, obviously. That is why it is so fantastic and we are talking about it. Plus, it's Swamp Thing. 
and it collects issues 35 through 42 of Saga of the Swamp Thing. Oh, um, good. Those are the ones I read. Good. <laughs> That's very convenient. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, this, I, I actually, I want them all in hardcover, but this is the one I actually have hardcover, and I really regret not thinking to bring it to you at OzFest so you could just have the hardcover, because um, it's just a much nicer reading experience than the, than doing the digital. It's a really nice book, and the hardcover, like, the reprint is pretty, uh, very faithful, um, but it's also really clean. They really cleaned it up uh, compared to some of the... Um, maybe less than reputable, reputable scans I've come across of in the past. Sure, sure. So Saga of the Swamp Thing. I'm going to try to be a little more succinct with the uh, summaries, despite the fact that Comic Vine, where I usually pull some of my summary information, has paragraphs and paragraphs about one issue. Um, oh, yeah. Well, I mean, there's a lot of social issues, particularly in this book. Yeah, yeah. Um, so the first, the first, I want to say the first maybe three issues um, is uh, called uh, the storyline's called the Nuke Face Papers. Oh yeah, and um, and I don't know why I should really reread it again. This is one of my least favorite of the stories, only because I find toxic waste and what it does to people very bothersome. And well, you know, I mean, and I blame <laughs> personally for 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 my uh, other than the fact that it is very bothersome. Um, I blame RoboCop the movie. Oh, <laughs> because <laughs> I saw that maybe when I was a little too young to see it, and that bit where the dude gets the toxic waste uh, poured on him that that's the kind of thing that has always never gone away <laughs> for me. <laughs> right? Yeah. That's one of those things that sticks. It it does stick. Um, But anyway, Saga of the Swamp Thing. We'll start talking about number 35. Uh, This begins the Nuke Face papers. And basically, we come across this guy called Nuke Face. You can refer to him as Nuke Face. I'm just winging it here. So if you ever want to jump in, that's fine. Uh, He's kind of like wandering. I don't know. he, He feels like some kind of a zombie, but not. Like... He's alive, but not in the way that we think he's alive. Yeah, he kind of lives on toxic waste, and he drinks it. And uh, our introduction to him, um, and it's really well done, is this. He's sitting around with this kind of hobo guy out in the forest, and they're kind of exchanging stories, which is fine. But then it gets really bothersome when he gives this hobo guy, he's like, you know, type of... uh, take a swig of this type thing and the hobo guy does and it's toxic toxic waste. So that does not bode well for the hobo guy. Things do not go well for him. That's pretty much the end of the conversation. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) And Um, then it's just nuke face talking. So you get the backstory of him and yeah, this is very like occasionally Alan Moore with the swamp thing stuff gets into, I mean, it's swamp thing. So there's always the theme of like, um, environmental issues is always kind of a theme, but here it's like potentially at the most forefront in any of the Swamp Thing stories, I think. And, and I think the most important thing about this, like these first couple issues is that at one point, Nuke Face comes in contact with Swamp Thing and lays hands on him Mm -hmm. and it basically kills him. Yeah, no, this is, um, this super pivotal. 
Thank you. Yeah, I was I was going to say that it really is. I mean, there's a couple really pivotal things in book three, but specifically nuke face papers. Yeah, you establish swamp things. Swamp thing dies. I mean, for technically for the second time in uh, Alan Moore's run, Um, swamp thing is killed. Um, But then that's where we have the real. That's where we get the, the reveal and swamp thing discovers that he can leave his body, which has been destroyed by this, um, by contact with nuke face. And he can leave his body and go into the green and potentially, um, grow a new one or inhabit, inhabit a new body. Yeah. Pretty much whenever he needs to, Mm -hmm. it's kind of like established as one of his abilities. Yeah. And this is where we first, we first get that. So also, the first laugh out loud moment for me in this, in the swamp thing, there's, there's like two laugh out loud moments. And this is one of them where, uh, when Abby finally comes, because Abby's come across the, uh, decimated, uh, husk that swamp thing had left and is obviously, you know, upset about that. Well, she eventually comes across swamp thing, you know, you start off small. So he starts regrowing himself and it's pretty a slow process. But when she comes across him, he's just this tiny little plant, this tiny little thing. And at one point he goes to talk to her because he grows a mouth. She's like, what is that squeak? And she starts laughing because apparently his voice has got a little tiny squeaky voice. And that that cracked me up to no end. That's one of my favorite moments. Right, right. It's one of the most fun. Because you imagine him with like this helium voice or whatever. Uh huh. And, yeah. And she she cracks up. It's that's a good moment. There's some really good writing there talking about his experience, like trying to grow this new body and talking about the light. You know, he tries to grow eyes and the light stings. And then even Abby's trying to take care of her him, but she'll pour the water on too hard or use um some type of chemical or fertilizer that he doesn't like. It hurts him. So there's just some interesting inner monologue that Swamp Thing has during this experience of growing a new body for the first time. When the interesting thing, uh, well, one of the interesting things about the art style for these first couple of issues is that, uh, like with nuke paper, there is this newspaper Mm. kind of collage Mm -hmm. thing that they do in an awful lot of the panels. And I think it's the end of the first issue where you basically uh you've established who nuke face is and he's just surrounded by newspaper newsprint text yeah and i i thought that was a very interesting way to kind of frame this villain if you want to call him a villain he's kind of a villain he's kind of a victim yeah yeah, it's yeah it's interesting that's another case of it's not i mean there are a lot of just straight up villain evil bad guys throughout the alan moore run but he's one of um but he also does touch on the the bad guys that are kind of misunderstood or it's just um they're bad through circumstance and that's definitely the case here where he's not i don't think he's an inherently bad guy um he's just kind of in a bad way and there's nothing that can be done about it. Right. And it's kind of like he blacks out for periods of time where uh, he doesn't have enough energy or he doesn't have enough nuclear waste or whatever it is. Yeah. He thrives on it. Yeah, exactly. Um, Yeah. No, I turned to that last page and yeah, it's interesting because it's got him standing there arms out and 
big portion of the page is just like a collage of um, newspaper clippings, and they're all like um, uh, one says "cruel cover up of on job poisons," and they're all like you know hazardous waste type you know articles. So it's yeah, yeah, very a, a, a lot of commentary here. Oh, okay. So then, issue seventy or thirty-seven. Sorry, um, this one's definitely. This is the one where Swamp Thing starts regrowing his body, and mm-hmm. but this one's super notice or notable also because other than that, this is the introdu- introduction, first appearance of Constantine. Is this right? Issue. Um, so yeah, Constantine, the first appearance is Swamp Thing number. What I say, thirty-seven. Mm-hmm. And I and so you know um, he was created by Alan Moore then, and you start to get tie-ins to this other more overarching storyline. I really like how Alan Moore writes Constantine. I find uh, I, I I really like the Constantine character in the Swamp Thing books. I find when he's written sometimes by um, other uh, authors, particularly in newer series that I've read, because there has been an, I don't know if it's still going, but there's been a new 52 Constantine book, and he's, he's, he's a regular in Justice League Dark. I find they write him really cliche. Um, sure, yeah. Just, well, he, was, he even showed up in the, uh, the crossover between Masters of the Universe and DC Comics. Oh, really? He's one of those characters that can kind of mm-hmm. like fully grasp what's going on here. When you have things like Skeletor using magic and Evelyn using magic and pulling from the DCU, mm-hmm. so yeah, it, like the the way that uh, Constantine is written, um, it it does vary quite a bit from what we're gonna see in Alan Moore's run. He's just a little more like he's. He's a little more surface and a lot more bristly. Mm-hmm. Whereas when we get him in Alan Moore, he's uh, a lot deeper and and maybe more apathetic. Yeah, that's true. He is. Other versions of Constantine kind of tie into. I mean, it's still kind of the same character, but like you like you said, he's a lot. He tends to be written a lot more surface. And then there's just things that really bug me, like uh, the cliche written British dialogue where every other word is love. Hey, love. Oh. You know, that oh. kind of thing. They they really throw the cockney on him. Uh-huh. And, and Alan Moore doesn't do that. And I, I, I mean, there's the accent is there so that you know. But it's not. Right. It's, does, it just feels cliche when it's so over, overdone like that. But that's... Uh, kind of, I guess, not really a totally valid gripe and not relevant to this. I'm just saying, <laughs> <laughs> I like Constantine in this book quite a bit, and that's yeah. the introduction of him. So, very notable. And I wonder how that TV show is going to do. Yeah, um, uh, I, I like what I'm seeing of it, and that's really the most attention I've given to it. Mm-hmm. Is is just kind of still shots that I've seen on the internet. And uh, the principal actor that they've chosen looks the part, probably more than anybody previous. Wait, I what? Mean, oh, who, well, I who mean, are you talking? Who are you talking about? Well, I, I, I hesitate to even say. <laughs> we all know. We know who you're talking yeah. about. Yeah. So, without actually saying, let's just move on. Let's move on. Um. Yeah, so no, we get we get with Constantine the introduce, introduction of Constantine. We also get this introduction of this other 
a kind of strange evil force. I'm not sure really what to say about it other than the creature with the head backwards and his hand sewed into his stomach or something or back. Uh-huh. Right, right, yeah. Really weird and really creepy. Do, so, like, that plays in? Yeah, there's a force behind that that I believe plays into later issues. Because here they have Constantine um, was with this, this lady, and then he leaves, and she's drawing this really creepy creature. And I don't remember if she said where the inspiration... Like, I think she pulled it from a bad a nightmare she had or something. But eventually mm-hmm. she draws this creepy creature, which is like a boy with his head turned backwards and his hand sewed into his back. And it ends up materializing in her apartment. And I right. believe, and she goes out the window. Um, so then you because all- that's a weird thing to find in your closet slash bathroom, mm-hmm. whatever. whatever door she opened. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. She does. She just opens the door. Oh, God, he was in the closet. That's even creepier. Yeah, I'm looking at it now. I forgot how creepy that was. But you also get these couple other characters. There's this um, this nun lady and the lady that Constantine was talking to in the club when he first comes in. Uh, they all come mm-hmm. back. They all come back at some point. I can't recall when. Kind of throughout, like, they mention it. Like, you see little snippets of them. Mm-hmm. Melanie's here. Yay! Hello. We're having. I'm having bad trouble with batteries. Oh, I'm having bad troubles with tires. Yeah, I know. I I said that uh, we needed double A and you needed triple A. Get it? Triple A. Oh, uh, I get it. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, we were just talking about Swamp Thing. We haven't talked about Duncan yet. Um, okay. And and Constantine is like, hey, you need to go to Rosewood. Constantine, in his kind of douchey Constantine way, almost plays mentor a little bit to Swamp Thing. In like, I know, I know the kind of stuff you can do, so I'm going to lead you into situations where you have to learn how to hone your powers. Is mm-hmm. kind of what it breaks down to. Yeah. And this is where you start to get um, moving out of like the nuke face setup. Um, you start to get almost a series of one shots in which it's like swamp thing and this monster, you know, swamp thing and random monster story. Mm-hmm. And I, I did enjoy those quite a bit. Um, the first one you get apparently is a touch on, uh, these vampire creatures who at this point are like fishy vampire creatures. Mm-hmm. Um, when they must they must have existed before the Alan Moore run too. Yeah, I think so. I think so because um, they reference you know him Swamp Thing being involved in the city itself being flooded yeah, like out. He, yeah, like he took care of it, but not completely. Like he thought, if I flood the town, that'll take care of it. That'll They're take like, care of it. Yeah, no, that just makes it easier for us. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and we were in the we were in the like refrigerator. Yeah. 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 We're in the meat cooler. You didn't get us. <laughs> Sucka. <laughs> you missed a spot. <laughs> There's some really awesome and gruesome imagery and uh, moments with these fish vampire creatures, whatever they are. Yeah. The uh, queen lady, the whole thing with her. Uh huh. Reminds me of Slither. And then the little. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, definitely. And then the little kids, uh, the one little kid gets taken. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and that's, I don't know, it's just really interesting because it's fish vampire type creatures. I don't know if that's what they were, but that's what they seem like, fish yeah. vampires. Um, they're, they're, they're humanoid, but they almost seems like rapidly evolved to live in this underwater, flooded out ghost town of a city um, or a small town. And, uh, it's a really interesting story, this and the couple of issues that follow, because it's, it really is just like this kind of one-off monster story, but it's not just a, you know, here's a vampire creature, here's a werewolf. There's always some one, some really bizarre and interesting spin on the concept itself. Hmm. But it, and the way that they're rendered kind of is like merman meets uh vampires from salem's lot yeah yeah Mm -hmm. exactly which one comes after the water one actually it looks like that might be two two issues issues. yeah because it's at the end of the first one it says next fish story (laughs) okay okay (laughs) he does a nice job of kind of weaving that in where like the story gets bigger and bigger kind of thing and that's that's where Constantine kind of like chides him. Mm-hmm. It's like an actual fish story. You were supposed to like squash this before it got big and you didn't and now it's going to be like an actual fish story where things just get bigger and bigger and bigger. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and I was going to mention looking at through the book again when you were talking about the rapidly evolving that yeah, that's like totally what's going on cuz some of the creatures are, don't look very not humanoid at all. Yeah. Yeah. The hatching or whatever mm-hmm. was insane. Mm-hmm. And I'm assuming you guys already addressed the uh, him learning how to... The body? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. That We talked about that a bit. And my one of my favorite moments with the little voice where Abby's like, is that your voice? What was that squeak? <laughs> mm-hmm. I love that. Yeah. Um, and then this is the also book three also has the werewolf one, right? Yeah. With the yes. Red Lodge that Randy loves to bring up. I love the Red Lodge. It's so bizarre. He's like, he's like, go in the Red Lodge, Melanie. And I'm like, <laughs> Randy. Oh. <laughs> I'm gonna oh. Be, I, I wish I could turn into a werewolf so I could destroy you. <laughs> Red Lodge too soon. <laughs> yeah. Okay. yeah. No, it's it's. And this is another example of like, so you've got this werewolf story, but it's not just a werewolf story. It's tied into um, menstrual cycles mm-hmm. and this like yeah, it's, strange ancient like lore of the Red Lodge. And yeah, the title of it is the Curse. It, yeah. <laughs> so yeah, it's so bizarre, but it's interesting. And this whole book is kind of like turning things on its ear and making things more elemental. Like, uh, the vampires now are like water based mm-hmm. elemental, almost force. And that's not a thing you would ever think to associate vampires. With. No, not at all. Yeah. Good call. And then like werewolves and the menstrual cycle. Mm-hmm. What? Kind of a strange connection, but it worked so yeah, it, well. It does, especially because, you know, you think moon cycles, menstrual cycles, whatever. Yeah, it's right, all right. connects Monthly, together yeah. and things. I like it. And this Red Lodge really stuck with me. I know. It really, I know it stuck with me. <laughs> <laughs> I, I was so excited. I didn't realize that was in book three. I was so excited to get to that. Um, I guess just so... Just I could, could flaunt. Fun. I could flaunt what a jerk I am to my girlfriend sometimes. Yeah. 
anyway, um, the Red Lodge. Welcome back to the show, ladies. <laughs> Welcome back to the show. This is a clean language show. <laughs> um, it almost felt like the husband was such a jerk that it almost started to feel cliche. Mm-hmm. But and I don't know if maybe that was just to be like you know well this is here's a this is just an example of you know that kind of uh, abusive relationship. Um, but it's it, it's a tragic story if I remember right. It doesn't go well for the woman, right? Um, she doesn't, doesn't go well for anybody. No, she, she doesn't end up killing her husband though. No, but does she? How she come out? Oh, she does not. Yeah, she she's does. a werewolf. They're gonna like lock her up or something. I'm sure. Yeah, so it's 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 definitely a tragic story, and it's not even like you know just a you know the husband's a jerk and it's a it's a vengeance type story. It's just kind of a a woman pushed to the edge. Mm-hmm. And lashes out, but it's not even not, not even in a vindictive way because she doesn't want to hurt anybody after she's turned into this werewolf creature. Mm-hmm. So that was she should have she should have she should have well yeah he was a huge jerk tore his throat out <laughs> but but you know she was also a good person yeah and that's kind of a classic theme of werewolf stories period is you know it's a good person or he's a good guy. But he's got this, you know, it's a the curse in, yeah. a, in a different way. Yeah. Which, um, you know, like Stan Lee kind of takes and turns on its ear with the Incredible Hulk, where you've got uh, Bruce Banner, who's like, he's really just kind of a normal, almost subdued kind of guy. And then mm-hmm. all of this is bubbling under the surface and creates this gamma irradiated monster. Mm-hmm. Um. Oh, go ahead. No, I was going to say, and also with the whole menstrual cycle thing. See, that's the, women are good people. It's just sometimes we have (laughs) (laughs) things, hormones that turn us into monsters. (laughs) And you just have to deal with it for a little bit. Um, (laughs) You're not the best person to ask because a good example is last month when we're like, oh, there's these feminist web panel or feminist panels at the uh, convention you could see. And you're like, eh. But, yeah. um, yeah, <laughs> do you think, because obviously it's, the story is about, in a way, like persecution of women, mm-hmm. specifically for this, this menstrual cycle thing that men don't have. Yeah. Um, do you think the story comes across that way or does it come across at all? Like, I'm just wondering if people could interpret it in kind of a sexist way. I mean, it definitely seems supportive of women. I yeah, t- the story. Is that the way you took it? Yeah. Okay. Well, I I was fishing for something that I guess wasn't there. And I, I was just trying to open discussion because you're a woman. I know. Let's get your your womanly uh take on uh, this. I can't. I'm not. A, I'm not. A, I'm not representative of women. <laughs> In fact, like recently, I was like, I kind of wish the Red Lodge was real, then I wouldn't have to go to work. This is bullcrap. I I should I should just get to sit at home and do nothing the entire week. <laughs> Get in the Red Lodge. No one will touch you. We'll just put a plate of food in there once in a while. And chocolate. <laughs> and chocolate. Um, so, yeah. Next is the uh, plantation zombies. Oh, yeah. So you go from gender studies to race studies. Yeah, yeah. like he really, it's, it's, oh, it's so fascinating because he takes, it's, like I said, it's a one-off of, you got classic monsters, you got... Vampires, werewolves, zombies, 
Um, but they're addressing these other issues, which a good horror ideally would do anyway. Um, it's also a turn. I mean, I guess Swamp Thing's always kind of horror, but it's a turn it's like strictly into horror. Like this is a horror story. Mm-hmm. Um, and I really like this. I, I I thought it kind of got a little tedious at point. This is points this story with the uh, plantation zombies. Mm-hmm. Um, it just felt like it dragged a little bit. But overall, I really liked the story. I thought it was interesting. Um, you've got a lot of kind of horror conventions going on within it. You've got the almost possession of yeah. the actors. Yeah. Um, you've got the zombies, which is kind of a zombie, kind of a ghost. It's almost, they're zombies, but like almost from more of a ghost haunting type. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, they're not like brains. They're like, this is my land. Yeah, <laughs> it's it's interesting in the same way that the last story arc is interesting because I wonder like I wonder how it's interpreted. E- yeah, you know, I mean, I want to be sensitive in 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 how I respond to it. Well, and that's and that's kind of what I was uh, fish. Uh, unsuccessfully fishing for from Melanie in that last story because it addresses these issues. And obviously I was wondering how that comes across from someone who lives those issues who, you know, like, like I think it's done super sensitively Mm -hmm. and I think it's done very well, Mm -hmm. but I, I also am not in a place to really comment on it as a white male. I'm just curious as to how, yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like I think, I think Alan Moore, as as a British author, does remarkable. Mm-hmm. But I don't know. And I love the artwork in these, especially this plantation zombie story, because it's just the artwork is so well suited to almost like the gothic horror type thing, mm-hmm. which you which you get a little bit with the plantation, even though it's modern day, well, nineteen eighties modern day, but um. It's on an old plantation with a big old old plantation house with the big ranch porch and all that. And there's, you know, actors dressed up in 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 a, that certain period. So it kind of lends this that tone to the story. And obviously it harkens back to um, slave days with with the ghosts or what or what have you. In fact, isn't the movie that they're making based on something that happened there? Mm-hmm. I thought. So, so it's really they're they're just recreating, yeah, yeah, the history and and it brings up, mm-hmm. and that kind of ties into like one of my favorite setups for a good horror movie, where you've got the film crew there, so it's almost almost instantly meta in a way because they're shooting this movie that's based on this thing that happened, and in this story that kind of they're there shooting this movie based on the story, which, as we come to find out, is kind of the ghosts of this event is, tor- uh, is, uh, is, is kind of drudged things up. Yes. Yes. Mm-hmm. Is that the last, and that's the last story in this book. Um, yeah. That's where it kind of ends. Yeah. Did we leave? Did we get into anything that has to do with there's, um, this man and his wife that comes across nuke face. Did, was that in the earlier issues? This woman comes across nuke face in the forest. Oh yes, yeah, that's part of the nuke face thing, and we kind okay. of we didn't really delve into that because it was sort of subplot. Yeah, yeah. Um, okay, yeah. I, I was just I was very curious about that. That was um, I have some tragic stuff in there. 
It was subplot, but it was also origin. So, I mean, mm-hmm. yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, the whole thing is tragic. Like, with the last story, even, the actors are just freaking innocent bystanders, basically, and that one guy gets, like, flayed or something. Oh, it's yeah. ridiculous. Horrible stuff. Um, yeah, and he kind of loses his mind. Yeah. Uh, because it's not, like, an actual knife, so he's only, like, it's part of his face kind of messed up. But then the then the, the main possession, that guy basically gets burned in the house. Yeah, and mm-hmm. he, like... Like, he never comes out. Mm-hmm. And it's not his fault. He was possessed. Yeah, I know. Yeah. So, yeah, a lot, lots of tragedy... They're throughout pr- pretty heavy stories mm-hmm. in all the stories in all the, in all those storylines in this. Yeah. There's definitely some heavy, huh? Can I read a line? It just happened to be on the page you're on. Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh, uh, and it's a really good, uh, line to sum up that, that particular story, but it says the dream of a dead place, finally recalling old and cherished horrors. Yeah. 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 It's great. The, it's good writing. Yeah. I know. Moore's excellent at. I need to read more Alan Moore, but um, he, he just gets social issues he gets, kind of in general, and it's it's weird because he's such like a socially he's socially reclusive, he's socially kind of abrasive, and yet when he writes it, he gets it. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. for sure. Mm-hmm. And he can interpret it into uh, in interesting ways into these stories, and he can take these genre stories. And 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 inject them with that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. One one more thing to note that all of the stories kind of go well with the Swamp Thing character also because they're all kind of things that that started a long time ago and then grew um, out of you know these little kernels that got planted in the past and then they grew into these big issues. You're right. That um, he's going to have to deal with now. Yeah. Excellent. Mm-hmm. I want a sandwich. I want a sandwich. <laughs> it's all pizza. It's, we, all, it's all pizza. We decided earlier from the, the segment last the last month. Um, anytime we go on a big aside, that's mm-hmm. going to be called either it's all sandwich or uh, I want a sandwich or it's all pizza. <laughs> okay. Um, <laughs> no, yeah, this is. Which- that wasn't a that wasn't an aside. I just didn't want to pull out Segway references from the last episode. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a bridge too far. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh man, I got to remind listeners if you haven't listened to episode seven, go listen to that because the puns, the, oh. the puns will kill you. Uh. Well, in special episode two, there's a lot of episode, There's a lot of puns in the uh, interview we have with Axton. Mm-hmm. 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 We just going to pun stravaganza. <laughs> yeah, it was it was really good. It was a lot of fun listening to. Yeah, I I actually I hadn't read through that Swamp Thing book three again, and I knew Nuke Face Papers was in there, and I was like, ah, I'm not a big fan. But actually, it turns out some of my favorite stories are are in that one. So yeah. Well, I didn't even look through this, so I wasn't even sure. We're, that's why you heard me flipping the entire time because mm-hmm. I didn't even know what exactly we were talking about until I just sat down and grabbed the book. It was hard bound to happen. Uh-huh. Oh, yeah. Ooh. See, I should, uh, I should have mentioned puns. Uh-huh. <laughs> but this, these, this <laughs> it's, okay. it's okay. Just leaf through it. Oh, nice. <laughs> oh. Yeah, book, book three, I think, is one of my favorite of is the it? Alan Moore. 
I'm so excited for I, God, I know what's coming. I know the other stories that are coming. Yeah, I'm so I know. Excited. That's how I felt when I was waiting for you to read it. And yeah. now I get to do it again with Jesse. Yeah, yeah. I'm so excited. <laughs> so do you guys want to move on some Duncan? Yeah, let's hurry up and do it. Okay. We we gotta do Duncan. Okay, um Captivated, captivated too much of my life. Yeah. Yeah, I'm sorry. You, I heard you had lots of issues. I feel bad no, about no, it. You know, it's, it's I'm, it was worth it. I just wish that they would refund my money. I'm tempted. To, yeah, I'm, no I'm about tempted to start pestering that parent company on your behalf. That really, yeah, it bugs me. Hopefully they get back to you on that. Everyone should. All of our listeners. I don't want to say what company. <laughs> we said, yeah. we, we kind of in a roundabout way did. Just just oh. beware of mydigitalcomics.com. It almost doesn't seem like it's being maintained at all, but you can still right. get that's That's the feeling I get, is that it's there, but it isn't really being run. Well, if and if they're not going to pay attention to it, disable payments. Like, you shouldn't be able to give them money if nobody's paying attention. Yeah. That's yeah. what yeah. really blows and, my and, mind. And the way that I, the way that I got triple charged was uh, I kept getting errors, and they would say... Press the back bucket, the the back button, and and resubmit. And so I did three oh, times. Man. Oh man, yeah. And now I've got three charges, and I could have just bought the book. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Um. It was good though. I enjoyed it. It was a lot more artistic yeah. than I expected it to be. Duncan. Yeah. But I thought it was pretty good. One thing yeah. before we ju- jump right into it, pull list. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah. No, it's fine. Coincidentally, this is something me and Jesse have been talking about since. By the time we record the next episode, um, that will be our October Halloween episode. The winning poll list book for October is um, Afterlife with Archie. All right. Oh, hey. Yeah, yeah. No, and it legitimately is, maybe because I voted for it. But (laughs) (laughs) we have, like, there were six or seven books that all have one vote. So it's a, a huge tie. So I was like, well... We're going to need a tiebreaker. And me and Jesse oh. were talking about this one. So I voted for it to push it over the edge. Um, legitimately, I get my own vote once in a while. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, Afterlife with Archie, which I know you're not particularly excited about, Melanie. No, I'm not, but, but it's okay. And and I'm not into Archie in general, but I keep hearing really good things. It's mm-hmm. a zombie I, I it's promise you it is worth it. Okay. I keep hearing really it good things. better be. No, I'm just so the- book, one, book one was excellent, and I'm actually starting on book two. And uh, book two is pulling in even more, like, H.P. Lovecraft kind of elements. Oh, nice. Yeah. It's... It's it's odd because like you have these characters that are very surface, you know, Betty, Veronica, Archie. We've had them for ages, and now you add that element of fear, and somehow they're more real. It becomes like The Walking Dead, and it's heavy from what I understand too, right? It doesn't like yeah, pull th- yeah. There's some heavy elements. I mean, like there's some elements that are very like oh come on, but I mean, like it's it's true to everything. It's true to the zombie. Uh, genre and it's very true to the Archie's genre and the Sabrina the teenage witch genre. So I, I think it's I think it's gonna be very enjoyable. Um, yeah, so I'm excited for that. That'll be our poll list pick for our Halloween episode. Um, I'm also gonna I've started reading some horror themed uh, web comics, so hopefully I'll have some good horror web comic recommendations, mm-hmm. and maybe we'll we'll think of something else. Halloween need to do to talk about, mm-hmm. but I love Halloween, so I'm excited for it. Me too. It's months away. Maybe that's why I said it felt like Halloween the other day. No, it felt like Halloween because we, we made popcorn. 
Oh, yeah. It felt like Halloween to me. And then the next day I was like, it feels like Christmas. (laughs) (laughs) I know. I wish wish it was, except we had the weather we have now. Yeah. I would love that. Uh, Just for our listeners, the weather has been very dog days of summer. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Uh, I don't like the extreme heat, but the last couple days have been pretty nice. Mm -hmm. Um, But I hate winter. Right. I hate winter, so. Yeah. And here in Fremont, we've had, like, super rain. Oh yeah, Duncan the Wonder Dog. I have, I have, I have uh, a fact about it. No, oh, okay. Let me pull up this fact. Let's hear some facts. <laughs> the fact is the author. I, I, I can't remember. His. Adam Hines, Duncan the Wonder Dog, is a graphic novel. This is uh, we're going to talk about Duncan the Wonder Dog Show One. Um, it's a graphic novel written and illustrated by Adam Hines. Um, oh, he wrote it and illustrated it. Yeah, it was one guy. Oh well, I'm impressed. I already told you that I. I liked it. it, and like I said, it was more artistic than I was necessarily expecting, uh, which is fine. I liked it. Some of the artwork was really, really good, which, like I said, that's I'm impressed with that guy mm-hmm. even more now. You know, it was very um, nature-oriented, and I like things like that, uh-huh. um, and it made me cry. <laughs> and that's that always that always means it's good, if it, if it can actually... I, th- I think it made us all cry. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so this was the first comic book graphic novel to pull tears out of my face. Mm-hmm. Oh God. It's got some heavy stuff in it, so we don't have to get too much into what it was, but yeah, it sounds like it made all of us cry. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That part in particular. Yeah. yeah so he knows what we're talking yeah, about. Yeah. That's yeah. the part that and, got all three of us. And, and even, even knowing it was coming, yeah. it was like, Oh man, that was it. That was the one I tried to be strong, but I couldn't. Well, and it just like, it's the writer knows what to how to what to do to pull it out of you because it's that experience of I can say at least this much it's that experience of losing uh, someone yeah and a lo- yeah a loved one yeah and which is you know uh, almost pretty much everybody's experienced that or they will mm-hmm. sorry um, <laughs> or they will and so there's just these there's these things that like happen mm-hmm. and it's just very real. Yeah. I enjoyed the book quite a bit. Um, I actually made some notes so I could sound a little more uh, art- articulated about this review than usual. Mm. Um, I'll say a couple of things that I liked. Um, I liked the central plot a lot. I was really surprised by it. It was unexpected. Mm. The book starts and um, at first it starts – the book goes on these several um, – it's all pizzas. It goes on these asides. Um there's kind of the central plot that goes through the entire book, but there's also all these little like stories, mm-hmm. um, just little fables or just different mo- random moments. <clears throat> and and one of the things that ties it all together is the fact that uh, animals have a voice, like yes. a literal voice. Mm-hmm. Yeah, good. Yeah, um, yeah. Animals can talk, and they talk to humans, and that creates political issues mm-hmm. um, because then. You know, in real life, we have these animal rights issues, but think about it if animals could communicate with us, could talk, and we're intelligent. Mm-hmm. Um, it would just exacerbate that whole situation. You know, I was thinking about it, though. I don't think we would have the world that we have now if animals could communicate with us. Because, and this is, I was watching an anime show the other day uh-huh. where there were some evil characters that ate people. And there were people like, begging and pleading for their lives. And the guy says, he's like, do you ever, uh, 
stop when you're going to about to kill a cow or a pig because it's crying for its life. And I'm like, but if we could actually hear it, I think we would. So I don't think we would have this kind of society that we have if, if we could, if they were like, be like, no, don't kill, please don't kill me. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I don't, I don't think we would have the kind of culture that we have. Well, and at first I was, I was unsure of like, if this was a new development in the world, because it seemed like a fresh and a raw issue, but mm -hmm. apparently it hadn't been. Cause there was mention at one point of, um, some animals talking back in like 1969 or something. So it kind of just seemed like that's just the way this world's always been. Yeah. And that, and that this uh, group has been around for a while. Yeah. Like this yeah. is not the first time that they have acted out. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. And the book did do a, a good point of, of, of making that clear. I don't know. I got a little confused. Um, there's a, a detective in the book and it follows him both when he's young and then again when he's older. And it took me a really long time to figure out that he was the same guy. I think actually, I don't think we got it recorded. I think the batteries had died earlier, but Jesse had mentioned something about yeah, one of his, this is, this is exactly what I was talking about. One of his criticisms of the art. Mm -hmm. But when we were talking about, um, was it Canon? Canon in, in the clouds. Yeah. Uh, my, you know, one of the things that I appreciated about that was uh, their attention to character design and the way that uh, each character was clearly itself. Mm -hmm. And this was, if if I had any criticism about this work, it was, yeah, it was that when we go back in time and we're ex experiencing this character in his youth, uh, it wasn't really clear. No. And not only that, there, I think there were a couple times, like... I was talking to Randy about one of the characters for a lot of the book. He's kind of just a person laying there. But I mentioned to him that earlier in the book he had been introduced and he had been talking to somebody about retiring and selling his company. And he was like, oh, yeah, I didn't even realize that that was the same guy. And oh, yeah. I'm like, yeah, you know, I, I didn't really initially, but then I put it together. So we'd been introduced to him at some point earlier in the book, but I couldn't even remember where now. Because I didn't realize that it was him until so far right. in. Right. One thing I wanted to say about the art is, um, Melanie said you, you you said you were surprised that it was um, so artsy. Is that the word you said? No, artistic or... Yeah, like some of the layouts of the pages um, and like the borders and and the way that it was all done... Yeah, it's very it unexpected to me. It's got a very a lot of very experimental mixed media style mm -hmm. um, artwork yeah, very, to it. Yeah, very collage and and I kept thinking Rauschenberg because there's like sections where you can read it, but then it's like painted out, yeah. whited out. Yeah, it's like, am I supposed to be able to read that? Because it's really frustrating. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, over word balloons and stuff like that, even. Um, yeah. Yeah, and there's there's painting, there's obviously, there's a lot of photographs. Something I thought was interesting is there's, especially when it would do nature-type shots and then sometimes apartments and stuff, mm -hmm. um, it really kind of tripped me up because I'm looking at it, and what I think it was is it was um, photographs that he then did some, like, line art over, mm -hmm. um, but the original photograph is kind of obscured in a way, maybe um, almost like a, I don't know that Photoshop had anything to do with it, but almost like a Photoshop cutout effect. Um so it's really interesting right. because you'll still get the comic book art and the it's all black and white. You'll still get the comic um, line art look, but at the same time, like sometimes it's just such like perfect proportions. You're like, that's mm -hmm. gotta be a photograph. Yeah. There was that one with the, like 
carpet edge. Uh huh. And I was like, oh my gosh, if he actually drew that, that's amazing. Because it looks, that's what it, it, you could tell exactly what it is. And yeah, I think there's a lot of, a lot of, um, photograph and painted textures and, mm-hmm. and, newspaper clippings and just mm-hmm. weird, interesting stuff going on. Yeah. And I appreciated it all. I didn't mm-hmm. expect it, but I, I, you know, I was thinking it was just going to be, you know, standard comic, not like, not even like Swamp Thing has those big, like crazy layouts. Yeah. Things. I wasn't. And even that is kind of unusual uh-huh. to see. Usually it's, you know, the just, it's just straightforward the panels. Right. And that was what? really what I was expecting. There was even, like, entire pages that were either just collage or, in some cases, they were completely black. And mm-hmm. I thought, well, did I get a really bad download? I mean, like, is did I not get this image? Or is it just a black page? Mm-hmm. Or is it just a white page? And I'd have to look over into the side of the page to see if the numbering was there. Mm-hmm. And I'd be like, oh, no, it loaded. It was fine. Yeah, yeah. there were a lot of – yeah, and it, it was kind of the book – it divided the book up almost into chapters where you'll get um, – there'd be several pages of – there'd be, like, just black pages and then just, like, some landscape-looking um, artwork. Mm-hmm. That kind of threw me off a little bit, too, because there was a lot of them where I'm like, I'm not sure if there's supposed to be something more here because sometimes there was mm-hmm. than just, you know, the landscape. There was actually something there, and it would, like – each panel would oh, get a little yeah. closer. Mm-hmm. So every time that I'd see one of those, I'd have to like stare at it really hard and deep to see if I'm Missing not something. seeing what's, what yeah. I'm supposed to be seeing. And then a lot of times it just wouldn't be there. So I'd waste a little bit of time doing that. But mm-hmm. Yeah, because there was pages that were very low contrast. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It was like, it's like a night scene, and you're like, is there something in the grass? Uh-huh. Yeah, exactly. I, I liked the look of, like, sometimes the background's, there was just some interesting stuff. I guess we could go on forever talking about the art. The art was really interesting. Um, on That's one... where I wish I had a physical copy. That's yeah. where it's yeah. like, if, you know, like the $30 I spent, I wish were on an actual book. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because I think it's awesome as a physical, like, it, this would be great on anybody's coffee table, mm-hmm. whether you read the whole thing or just kind of flip through it. Yeah, and a lot of the little aside stories would make for flipping through a coffee table book too, mm-hmm. because you've got this long, involved story which has some very heavy moments. But if somebody just flipped through it, there's also these little stories and little asides and little um, parables, and parables, yeah, yeah. Um, that somebody could that's like a page long or maybe two pages or half a page that's just like a brief conversation between a monkey and a bartender, you know, um, (laughs) that are still really interesting and insightful. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So a monkey walks into a bar and then they have a really deep conversation about humanity. (laughs) (laughs) Oh man. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And then that's another thing is like, very um, philosophical. Uh-huh. Oh, man. Deep stuff. But I enjoyed it, and I, I kind of want to get the second one also. Um, now, does that exist? It's not out, though. Is it not out? No, but it's said to be continued, so it will be. Yeah, right, right, right. Show I two. hope it is. I hope it is. I, I wonder if it will be continued, because, uh, like, uh, basically he says to... Read the uh, book online. And if 
you want to donate, if you want to read, like own a copy of it after that, then to go ahead and buy it from one of the listed vendors. Mm -hmm. Which is interesting. And I I appreciated that. uh, I'll include the link to where you can read it free online. And the first page says, if, um, if you're thinking about buying this book, he'd rather you donated to these causes. And it was a lot of, um, like animal rights and uh, causes and stuff that he had listed. Mm-hmm. And he's like, and then after that, if you decide you still want to buy the book, then you can get it here. Um, so that was, I, I appreciated that. Mm-hmm. Just the idea of like here, because imagine how long that would have taken. Yeah. So the book is, I think the hardcover is listed as 400 pages, it's something like 380 pages. Of story? Mine, of, of... mine was 392. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah, what was I thinking then? So, yeah, it's like a 400-page book. And for him to be like, here, it's online. You can read it for free. If you're going to spend money, I'd rather you put it towards these causes. Yeah. Um, that's pretty cool. Yeah, yeah, it is. Yeah. Uh, the characters, I thought, were written fantastically well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. They felt like real characters that would interact in this world and had a personality beyond just a surface of like here they're here and they're saying this thing, you know? Yeah. And a big part of that is done through just interactions. And there's a lot of like awkward interactions Mm -hmm. and, and he is able to convey that well. Mm -hmm. Um, You can tell it's like those slow meandering conversations where somebody will say something and then they'll sit there and then they'll, you know, just kind of real. And there's lots and of- then you'll drift off and you'll have like an imaginary uh, conversation with the dog. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> or you'll, ju- you'll just like imagine something else mm-hmm. rather than listen to what's happening right in front of you. One of my favorite portions – I'm sorry. Were you gonna, um- I was just going to say I like the way he approaches conversation because there's lots of ums and lots uh-huh. of things where people start and then stop and then like restart in a different way, uh-huh. which reminds me of you. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's like totally Randy talking through half of the book. <laughs> <laughs> That's horrible. I wish I was better spoken, but no, you're right. It and, and I appreciated that because it felt real. Yeah. Um. One of my favorite, my favorite conversations in the book, and it's really this is another example of like interesting insight to the character through kind of unconventional storytelling. Is at one point there's a man, a politician, sitting out on the balcony talking to this bird. Uh huh. Um. And I like because there will be the conversation with him and the bird, and the bird will ask him a question. And then you get this other panel of the man in a suit standing in some random thing, and he's got this really long word balloon where it's like his true like motivations and what he actually thinks and this and that and this and that. And it's all very mechanical, but it's like his actual – the truth and his inner thoughts. And then it goes back to the conversation, and he's like, oh, you know, nothing. Yeah. And, <laughs> and it does that through the whole conversation. Yeah. <laughs> it's really interesting. Um, because that's kind of how it is. Like, you know, it's just the idea of when you talk to people, there's the truth and then there's just the actual conversation. And, Mm -hmm. and I like that. Well, and it's not that you don't, your conversations don't include the truth. It's just, nobody wants to hear every detail. Yeah. 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 The full truth. It's not like he was lying to the bird. It was just like, yeah. Rather than be like, you know, my name is this and I'm this and I do this and I do that. He's just like, I'm John, you know, or whatever. You don't know who I am. (laughs) Well, I'm John. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then also, uh, towards the end, there's this bit with the, um, is, is he a, he's a detective, right? The main like detective guy mm-hmm. who I really, I really liked his character. I don't know why. The older version of him? Yeah. Okay. I think there's stuff I missed. 
He's the young the young guy that got shot also. What? Yeah, that's what I was talking what? about. Are you serious? <laughs> yeah. That was that was him in the past. Remember his interaction with they the were woman. talking about? Yeah. Okay. What, what was that? Okay. With Pompeii. Holy yeah. crap. Yeah, that's why I was saying I didn't realize for a long time that oh, that was him. Holy crap. That, that I feel was, really yeah, what yeah, we were talking like about. Gazing off and, and yeah. Oh, I feel really dumb now. He's remembering in the middle of this conversation. And it, yeah, it's not re- particularly clear. Right. That's but, what yeah. I feel really dumb now. No, no. That, I thought that was happening at the same time. I thought he was another guy. No. Oh, my God. That was what we were talking about earlier when I was like, it took me a really long time to figure out that he was the same person. Because he doesn't, like, he looks young and blonde, and then the next one, he's old and has dark hair and a beard. So, it doesn't really even yeah. look the same. I, had, I didn't I didn't realize he was the same person I have until, a, like, halfway into that thing. And then I was like, oh, that's, that's that guy. Okay, okay. I have a feeling if I read this book again, it's going to be a very different book. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, because I did not realize that. <laughs> if you read this book again, holy crap. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Well, then I have beef a little <laughs> bit with yeah. it, with the storytelling. Okay. Um, yeah, I was not clear on that. I guess they probably said his name and I should have realized, but mm-hmm. okay. I don't know if they did, though. Did they say his name? I, I believe so. I think that's why I had to double check. I know he was like... He was like pounding the pavement, paying his dues kind of thing. Like he, he had kind of the low key, here's what you got to go do now thing. Yeah. Well, I mean, I didn't necessarily think that was all. I knew the story was jumping around in time a bit. Mm-hmm. I didn't think it was all happening at the same time because then you did have, um, what's his name? The monkey character? The the Pom- the bad one? Yeah, Pom- yeah. Pompeii. Pompeii. Yeah. Because I knew he was, you know. She. She. Sorry. You're right. Um, Which I thought was an interesting choice. Yeah, no, I appreciated it too, mm-hmm. um, because because women are more vicious. Well, and and the usual <laughs> thing is okay. the usual. Red Lodge. <laughs> <laughs> well, the typical thing is a bad guy is a bad guy. Uh-huh. You know, um, so yeah, that was a good decision. Yeah, okay, I knew there was some time, time some jumping around in the timeline, but I did not realize that. Okay. Mm-hmm. Anyway, moving moving on. Uh, this probably ties into spoilers, but the, I guess you would say the antagonist, the villain of the story. Mm-hmm. Um, even though there's, it's one of those stories. There's not a clear hero. There's guys that are doing the right. There, there's good guys on the right side of the law, but then you've also got, you've got, uh, you've got a pretty wicked character, pretty evil, fascinating. I thought it was a really good villain. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like Joker bad. Yeah, and mm-hmm. it's not it's not the like cool villain like you like this villain. It was it's it's the this is a bad person. Yeah. And, but it's fascinating. Uh-huh. And I love the I love the little bits. My favorite part of that character is the little bits where she, she she's complaining about like being able to feel like the chemicals and the lights and the nastiness oh, of, yeah. of the human world. Just utter disdain for uh-huh. for all things human. Yeah. yeah. And the chemicals and the heights being in the human houses, the chemicals and the wood and the light. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Really good. Um, I, yeah, I'm sorry. I don't know. My mind is blown. I didn't realize that was the same guy. Yeah, I'm sorry. I'm stuck on that. No, don't be sorry. It's good. Uh-huh. But I like that character. Uh-huh. Even though I'm not really sure there's not... I mean, it's not like he's a fun guy or he was just, you know, really likable. He was just a, 
<laughs> he was not a fun guy. He was not a fun guy, but he was, he was, uh, again, I did like him because he was an interesting character. Mm-hmm. Um, apparently even as his older self, I didn't realize the other one was his younger self, but, um, just his, his put on of being so not caring the whole bit about him. Not, he doesn't care. And then the book spends a lot of time trying to convince him, not even the reader trying to convince him. It's like, no, you, you care. Mm-hmm. Like the book actually like by way of that, <laughs> that strange dog is like telling him like you care. What are you doing? What are you talking about? Yeah. That's why I kind of wish you would have realized before the ending of the young hymns bit, because that I think says a lot about who he is He's now and why he is who he is now. Yeah. It informs him quite a bit. Yeah. It changes a lot of things. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it changes uh, several things. Right. Um, <laughs> The human politician, mm-hmm. I thought was a really interesting character too. Yeah, I and that's part of the reason I was expecting there to be another book, even before it said to be continued, because it seems like his story never really. Uh, Nothing know. like they. Yeah, he does have a story too. I mean, it, other than just him being there, there is something that like it felt like that was building towards. Yeah, and he, he never got to. That. He has a plot, mm-hmm. and um, the monkey politician guy or baboon or whatever he was is uh-huh. kind of involved. Um, mm-hmm. And Voltaire. Yeah. yeah. And both of them now didn't really like they were there and it was interesting. It didn't feel like they didn't have anything to do with it. Mm-hmm. But when it comes down to the key plot that when not that it's resolved, but kind of gets resolved. And then there's the end of the book. Mm-hmm. It felt like, well, what did those characters really They Why were they there? Right. Yeah. Their story definitely felt like it needs to continue. Mm-hmm. And uh, Voltaire totally reminded me of um, oh, what's his name? The, the bad guy in Powerpuff Girls. Oh, Mojo Jojo? Yeah. <laughs> he yeah. was totally Mojo Jojo without the little helmet thing. <laughs> and you know, I liked I liked that character, but I didn't like him. Yeah. And I think that's a good thing about the writing because you get a personality off of him. And it's not like he was a bad guy or anything. Mm-hmm. But in a way, like, you, you can um, I could almost tell the kind of person. I say person, you know. But person mm-hmm. he would be in real life. Mm-hmm. And not that he's a bad guy, but I don't think I'd like him. But I liked reading him. You I, know? I I didn't. He seemed nice. Yeah, he, he had the girlfriend, and he was. But he was a he was a baboon too, right? Yeah. Yeah. I had questions I don't, about I don't that. Particularly think of baboons as being nice guys. Yeah. Yeah, that could be part of it too. Yeah. Well, that that's why he was the bad guy in Powerpuff Girls. No. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> his relationship with a human kind of weirded me out. I didn't, and I was I had questions about it that I didn't really want answers to. It um, sounds like there's some uh, some interspecies uh, prejudice going off on going there on. There is. On your I, I, sorry. I, even if they could speak and give consent, I still think it's. I it's thought just it, wrong I, to me. I thought it was interesting that they touched on that, but didn't touch on that. Like yeah. it's there. Yeah. And I yeah. expected, I was like, oh, this is, oh, this is going to be an issue, right? Mm-hmm. But they didn't, maybe if the story continued, it would be, but they didn't, it, it's not. Like, yeah. it doesn't play into it, mm-hmm. which is interesting in it, in and of itself, I guess. Yeah. But it worried me. I didn't want to. Because that's the only time you get something like that. Yeah. In the book. There's not, yeah. it's not really like an issue they address. Right. Like, even, even pets, even though they can speak, are There's, still have the pet role, you Yeah, know? cats and dogs are still pets in the household that people go and get a dog and yeah and uh yeah i did i was telling melanie the other day after reading this i was like you know part way through reading this i was like because the lady had the cats and the cats were talking and i was like 
how awesome would it be if your pets could actually talk to you? Then I was like, thought about it a bit, little bit longer, and I was like, but also, how horrible, how horrible would it <laughs> yeah. be? And, and well, yeah, like like one of the hardest parts for me in the book was uh, that part where you know, revolving around bundle, uh-huh. uh, where the cat, where the cat just takes the the owner to task. Uh-huh. Yeah. Oh my god, because I've been in that situation where it's like, well you know, my, my dog is not feeling well and I still have to go to work. Yeah. yeah. Got to pay for the vet bill kind mm-hmm. of thing. And, yeah. and, and you feel bad because like, there's no way that your uh, employer is going to be like, Oh, you want to stay home with your pet? Sure. Yeah. You know, yeah. like they just don't, there's no policy that truly understands that, but it's, a living being that you want to oversee and make sure that they're okay. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And, and in this, in the world that this book takes place in is the same, it's the same. That's the same thing. It's the same exact kind of rules for here, mm-hmm. except when your animals then can yell at you and give you a horrible guilt trip about the fact just makes it so much worse. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like you should not go to work today because um, they are not, making it yeah you know they're in a rough way right and even even not something that serious i can imagine like if bonsai could talk he would be yelling at me about stuff all the time that doesn't even have anything to do you know anything serious he'd probably be like you know you don't clean my litter box enough or you know i don't know bonsai can't talk and he still does that (laughs) did we ever tell did we ever tell the story about how apparently at one point because Melanie used to have his litter box and she'd have the scoop for light cleaning. You know, you just do the scoop to get some of that stuff out mm-hmm. um, without having to do the full change once on, uh, every, every time. Um, she had the scoop in a plastic bag next to the litter box. Well, apparently Bonsai would get to thinking like, hey, it's time to check to change this. And he would pull the, the bag with the scoop into his litter box and lay it on top and then meow and look at her. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> like he knew. He's like, it's time for you to do this, so do it. Yeah, he would. And actually, it was worse because if I didn't notice that he pulled that in there right away, he wouldn't pee on the plastic bag. So he'd have to like pee on my pants or something that were sitting on the floor because I took them off and left them laying on the floor. Yeah, it's just like, hey. Yeah, this is his way like, of telling Well, me. you didn't pay attention to the bag, so now you're going to have to pay attention to this. How do you like that? So on uh, the one hand, yeah. if, on, I mean, he tells us. So on the one hand, if he could talk to us, that'd be nice. Because yeah. then we get like before it got to the point where he's peeing on pants. Yeah. Um. But on the other hand, he probably never shut up, and it would drive me crazy. Are you kidding? He never shuts up now. I know. You'd have to grolix everything. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh god, no, I know. <laughs> <laughs> Slight criticisms. Um. I enjoyed a lot of the asides, the little stories that would go on in between the plot type uh-huh. stories. But once in a while, some occasionally they felt really tedious, mm-hmm. and some of them a little pretentious sometimes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was gonna say felt too heavy, and it made me feel that makes me feel dumb to think it that way. But I think you're right. I think some of them were a little pretentious, a little pretentious because if you didn't know what they were talking about, you were totally lost. And I had cursory knowledge of what they were talking about, and I was still totally lost. Mm. This is definitely not a book to uh, 
try to read a day or two days before you need to have it read. <laughs> hey, shut up. I did it too. We all did it. We all did it. Yeah, no, yeah, I I finished it last night, so. Um, Randy scared the crap out of me. He's like, it's like, it's like four or 500 pages. You're not able to read it in a day. It is 400 pages. I, I, I didn't read it. I read it in like three or four settings. Oh, I couldn't have done it in a right. day. I did. And it wasn't as difficult as you made it seem. Well, there, there are a lot of, there are a lot of pages that go quick. Because yeah. they're art pages. And I enjoyed the story, so that helps, too. So I I didn't, you know, mm-hmm. really, for the most part, I read a little bit in while I was waiting for kids to come out. And then I read in my uh, break in between. I read for, like, two hours. And then I read a little bit when I got home, and that was it. Mm-hmm. And I was done. Because I enjoyed it enough that I didn't mind continuing. But, yeah, some of the stories I liked. I liked the story about the man, like, the, the fable about the man and the three sheep. And then you got the three dogs. I enjoyed yeah. that story. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, uh, like you said, some of it was just a little much. Oh, and there was like, I think it was possibly for artistic quality, but there was, I was talking to Randy about this and I wanted to share it. This one section of the book where it had like these passages that looked like from other books on the side about animals writing stories, writing stories or, or helping, oh. uh, writers and literature mm-hmm. throughout the past. And at first, I was trying to read them, but I'm like, it's taking me four times longer to read this little stuff on the side as it is to read the whole rest of the freaking story. Yeah. And yeah. Yeah. And that's somewhat early in the book, and that had me worried because I had read several pages into that little section before I noticed, like, because there are little bits where there's clips of, like, newspaper clippings and stuff that you can't read. I mean, it'll right. be partially there, but it's obscured. So I was like, so I'm reading at one point and there's this whole pass, uh, this whole big passage on the side where I thought it was just kind of design. Mm-hmm. And then I looked and I started reading it and I was like, holy crap, this is like kind of relevant. I mean, it's not, but it is, it's mm-hmm. within the world. Um, and that I started to get worried. I was like, oh, uh, cause it was, it's pretty dense. Yeah. Um, I, o- I only read like three or four pages of it and then I was like, eh. yeah, I ended up skipping some of that. I mean, I didn't skip much through the book, but those that specific part you're talking about, yeah, yeah, I skipped some of that too. It was interesting because it was talking about how animals, when they write stories, they like never write fiction. It's mm-hmm. almost always autobiogra- autobiographical. Mm-hmm. Um, so I thought that was interesting uh, input, uh, more world building about yeah. the nature of these animals. Well, one of my favorite parts, like kind of alluding to that, was. Uh, that whole aside where the little piglet is like, what's the deal with this the spike? spike. Yeah. Oh, I, I like that fit too. Me too. <laughs> one of my favorite parts and it has nothing to do with the story at large. At as all. far as I can tell. Uh-uh. Yeah. Yeah. And, and you never find out why the spike is there either. No. Well, he doesn't find no. it. No. Yeah. You, and you as the reader don't find out mm-hmm. and he doesn't. And I really liked his pig logic about it and yeah. <laughs> about his observation. That's one thing I really liked the little asides that were about the animals observation of mankind mm-hmm. was pretty interesting. And the pig one being one of my favorites. Mm-hmm. Another moment that kind of made me laugh out loud is it was shortly after there was this catastrophe in the book and it's like uh news interviews with people on the street and it's like, you know, where were you when this happened? And you know, they're oh, yeah. the people yeah. are all telling the story. And then the dog at the end. <laughs> yeah. So good. <laughs> totally approached it the way you would think. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. And then, had, you know, he mentioned the story, but really his little bit had nothing to do with the story. And he's like, and then I no. seen, a, seen a dog I didn't know, and I, I got nervous. And then my, yeah, it was so good. <laughs> yeah. Yep. 
And then my mom was like, it's okay. (laughs) And I felt better. (laughs) Yeah, it was really good. I liked it, obviously. I enjoyed it quite a bit. I did also. I would like to read more. Mm -hmm. Um, I would third that. This is another thing, not in terms of... one thing I sent a, when I, I sent Jesse a message and I was when I, I was like this is the first one to do it man tears uh, but I was like you know it's so silly though because I read Mouse which is this true life heavy story about concentration camps and that didn't do it mm-hmm. that didn't make me cry it, oh, Batman and Robin where Robin dies and I'm sure everybody already knows about that that yeah. didn't make me cry. Before this, that was the closest. It wasn't where Robin died. It was no. The, it was the episode after? Yeah, where the he's Batman like and Robin book. Looking at his outfit mm-hmm. and yeah, and that was rough. That, that was, was the closest. Yeah. That that got the tear ducts working. Mm-hmm. But but this one actually, yeah, push it over the edge. Okay, mm-hmm. so I'm gonna liken it to another sore subject, which is I Am Legend with Will Smith. Okay. Okay. Have you guys seen it? Yeah. Yeah, I see. I, see. I just like okay. Melanie's reaction. Okay, so, okay. like, the saddest, the saddest part of that whole book is, well, and I say book because it's also the, one of the saddest parts in the actual book for me, mm-hmm. is that moment with the dog. Well, it's, it's, it's a funny thing because pets and specifically dogs, it's just such a sore spot with people. It is. You can make a movie murdering everyone in horribly graphic ways, but you kick a dog in a movie and people get upset. It's true. Because it's just really, I don't know why. Because they're so innocent. And... and well, and have you guys read I Am Legend? Like, the yeah, actual I have. book? I have not. Okay, so, like, that scene, like, first I watched, I watched I Am Legend, which is nothing like the book. No, it's not. And then I read it, and, like... I felt like that scene in the movie was the most brutal, and I was, I was kind of warning Holly because she's very animal rights, you mm-hmm. know, like she's she's very about that. Uh, she's vegetarian, um, so I knew that was going to be the hardest part of the movie for her. Mm-hmm. And then I read the book, and I was like, "Oh my god, this book is three times worse." than the movie because of all the time that he spends just trying to have a connection with another living being. It's Mm -hmm. the first living being he's even encountered. And, and then it ends. Mm -hmm. And, and, and it was kind of that, you know, it's, it's like those same kind of feelings erupted when reading that moment in Duncan. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah. Yeah. Just because it's like, Oh my God, it's that tragic. Yeah. Oh, and we were discussing also uh, about just Duncan, the Wonder Dog. Uh, who do you know who Duncan is? But I don't know. Yeah. See, well, <laughs> Melanie thinks is is, is it the uh, anthropomorphic one that talks in his brain? That's that's what I keep coming up with. Th- but that- then uh, then I think it's the one at the end. Was that a was that a different one? Well, he, he you know, looked different. One, you know the one I'm talking about at the very end, uh-huh. which kind of resolves the story. Yeah, because mm-hmm. he looked that's different. Where, that's where I'm like, I don't know. Yeah. Melanie, yeah, Melanie definitely thinks it's the animal port, an, animal anthropomorphic anthropomorphic mm-hmm. dog. 
um, that's throughout most of the story, which it very well may be. But I thought it was interesting that they're right. Is that what you said? Yeah. Or well, you thought it might be. Okay, well, earlier you say it. Earlier in the book, they they're talking about they're like there's this dog, and they they talk about like that's I think the, why they bombed the schools because they thought he had been there and had written in the margins of this book, uh-huh. and it's a book a dog with hands and whatever, and apparently mm-hmm. he's very important at least to the animals. They seem they seem to uh, be and, looking for him, mm-hmm. and they call him a name, but I can't remember what they call him. It wasn't Duncan, but, but it they wasn't do call Duncan. Him a name, yeah. But then again, when you look through the rest of the book a lot of times the animals will have different names for themselves and places and and things than humans do Mm -hmm. so i'm like well maybe duncan the wonder dog is supposed to be what the name that humans have for this dog that they're looking for that is supposed to have done these things that Mm -hmm. um, are great and amazing yeah I i thought it was really interesting that it's called duncan the wonder dog but at no point do they reference Duncan the Wonder Dog at all? Yeah, yeah there's yeah. no Duncan anything mentioned in text at all. Well, that whole prologue is kind of bizarre too. Ooh. I mean, just totally taking back to the beginning. There is this whole prologue where it's circus animals talking to each other, and there's the boxing match, mm-hmm. and yes. yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, really strange. Mm-hmm. And that's why that's and when I said like I was. When the like central plot of the book kicked in mm-hmm. was very unexpected because I didn't know where this thing was going, mm-hmm. and yeah, it starts off and it goes for quite a while before getting into any of the characters that even has anything to do with the main plot. Yeah. Um. So yeah. Mm-hmm. Unexpected. What a crazy awesome book this was. It was. I enjoyed it. It was. And there were a couple times that I was like, "Oh, this is going to be too pretentious," or "This is going to," you know, but like trying too hard, but reading the whole thing, I don't think so. I mean, there were moments where it got a little pretentious, but overall, I like, I think it was, there was a lot of interesting stuff and experimental. Even the pretentious, even the parts I felt were kind of pretentious made me want to know more. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It improved. It, like, it's a good book. Mm-hmm. It is. Um, so th- thumbs up for Duncan, the wonder dog guys. <laughs> Hey, hey, hey. <laughs> We're doing good. I don't think there's been a single pull list pick so far that I have not enjoyed quite a bit. Yeah. I've enjoyed them all. Mm-hmm. I do feel like we need an upper. Yeah, that uh, might Oh, be yeah, good. and I don't think Afterlife with Archie's going to be it, is it? No, no, it won't be. <laughs> <laughs> You're right, and you know what? You said that. You Sorry, said- spoilers. <laughs> well, maybe whatever we do after Archie, uh, we... After life with Archie. After life. After after life with Archie. Um, we'll be all pizza. It'll be all pizza. All right. Vote for some pizza. Vote for some pizza. <laughs> <laughs> this is Randy. I'd grow like that for a dollar. I'm Jesse, and take your stinking paws off me, you Grolix dirty ape. I've come here to chew bubblegum and kick Grolix, and I'm all out of bubblegum. Thank you for listening to Grolix Podcast. The Grolix Podcast is a production of the Electronic Media Collective and Vocal Arrow Studios. This podcast is released under a Creative Commons Attribution, Non-Commercial, No Derivatives, 4.0 International License. To hear more, visit GrolixPodcast.com. 
Follow us on Facebook at facebook.com slash Podcast and like us on Twitter at twitter.com slash Podcast. That might even be a humdinger. Yeah, that's the humdinger. <laughs> a humdinger, huh? Humdinger. A real humdinger. You know humdinger. I, I kind put of... a uh, uh, in the middle. <laughs> a real uh, humdinger. <laughs> humdinger. Humdinger. Uh, almost. It almost sounds like something we need to Grolix. <laughs> 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 All right. Okay, that's it.